Yeah, yeah. Welcome one and all to another episode of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavisions Magazine. I'm Chris, the editor of Megavisions, and joining me this week is Sketchcraft. What's up? Scotty. Oh, and, a, and a bag of chips. And we got Grammy Lemmy Ding Dong. How's it going, man? Hey, hey, hey. It's all good. All good. Good to be back. Graham, it's been a while since you've been been on the show, man. Where you been, buddy? I've been tired and sleepy. Uh, the problem is we often record on a Sunday, I guess it's afternoon your time, which is like night my time, and I have to get up at like 5 a.m. to get to work. So, yeah, I need to go to bed normally, but tomorrow is a public holiday in the UK, so I can stay up late. What's Yay. the holiday in the UK for tomorrow? It is... A bank, well, what we, it's what we it's call a bank, bank holiday. holiday it's from holiday. it's it's not really a proper holiday. It's basically a bank holiday, which from like a hundred years ago or two hundred years ago, whatever, banks basically didn't want to be open all the time. So occasionally they go, oh, "We're having a holiday," and then because the banks were closed, no other businesses could work. So it's like, okay, let's just close everything down. Those are days have kept throughout the years. So. There's not that many public holidays, but there's a few that are sort of called bank holidays because, yeah. So we kept it going. It's a nice tradition, I guess. (laughs) Someone has to die in America for us to get it like a a holiday. That's usually how it works. Yeah. (laughs) And then we get a day off, and then everyone acts super excited about it, but doesn't care at all about whoever person died. Correct. Yeah. Who died again? (laughs) It doesn't matter. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, a hundred oh. years time. No one cares. We got a day off. Oh yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Let's get into, uh, I guess, the latest in uh, the the development of the next issue. Uh, man, I gotta say, uh, Sketchcraft, you're churning out copies. You're churning out like uh, like designs of each article. Like it, it's it's going pretty quickly. Uh, I gotta say, man, uh, the stuff I've seen so far looks really really good. I think everyone. So far behind the scenes is really, mm-hmm. really happy with your work. How are, how are things going? They're going well. I mean, not as fast as I would like, but they're getting done. Um, I've been, so today I got Glay Lancer almost done. I'm dropping in little quotes from like, <laughs> look, so Glay Lancer, who's the guy who wrote this? Jason. Hey, Jason is the guy that writes every one of her. Like, uh, <laughs> he's the schmuck dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I, look, don't, don't steal my punchline guys. So I'm like, I post this. So I'm working on Glay Lancer, which is this obscure anime flavored shmup on the Mega Drive, which I guess recently got a fan translation. Um, and, you know, people are making custom box art and stuff. And so I post an initial uh, render of the first two pages up in our Discord. And Jason goes, Ah, this looks great. Just want to let you know, Thunder Force uh, Five or V or Five, or whatever, from the last issue looked great. And in my head, I'm like, "You're the asshole who keeps picking these fucking schmutz." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and I like schmutz, but like Thunder Force V was a nightmare to try to make a layout out of because it was one of the early polygonal schmups where mm. you couldn't really tell what ships were. You know, it's not like Star Fox where the main ship takes up you know a third of the screen. It's a tiny little ship. So that was a real pain. This wasn't as big, but there there was a problem where um, no one has, because it's an obscure game, no one has ripped sprites from that game, so I can't 
like pull sprites. Like I cropped out the ship on my own. And I was like, this is taking forever. And so I did a Google search and found that there was some chibi art from the game buried in the original Japanese manual. And some people have sold higher res versions. I guess they up it. But I can't get any digital copies of that. Nowhere I can buy it, nothing. So I did find scans buried on the Japanese wiki. <laughs> so Damn, I just been like deep, doing uh, because I need some stickers to put in. Look, man, look, these things, these layouts will just the retro ones need little like pops of fun and stuff. And so this is one of those things where I have to go in there, crop out this low res art. I got to do some some tricks with dust and scratches and some poster edges and a little bit of trickery to make it work. And so I got all that done, and now I'm dumping in because I don't really have quotes from the game so much. Um, and a lot of times these quotes don't work when you put quotes from the regular game in. So I've been sticking in various quotes from movies and like just Robotech quotes in there. There's some Iron Eagle quotes. So that's just kind of how I work. And I try to make sure it's not too out of care. I mean, I don't care if it's that out of character because these are retro games that are around for like 20 years. So. Otherwise, you're just staring at a page full of like 50 screens. So it gives some of the more pop culture fans something to dig into and go, do I know that? You know, do I know where that's from? What is that? You know, it'll piss off some hardcore. They never said that thing, but I don't care. You know, why is there less Starfighter quote in this Blade Lancer review? Right. Well, that that happened with it... me and no spoilers, but I was trying to pin down a quote from the Captain America and the Avengers thing. And I, I found out what it was from. I'm not going to say here for the readers to enjoy. But yeah, so I like that stuff. Right. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, like I'm not taking a dump on the game. It's literally like, how can I take these quotes from various things that because I have I have like a I was telling my wife today, for some reason, I have this never-ending repository of useless knowledge stuff in my head you know, it's never about calculus trigonometry if you could only use that to make some money <laughs> some and when i say some that's the loosest of right <laughs> literally some but um so glay lancer's done so all the retro reviews minus some key art that we're getting back from freelancers is done um and right now those layouts are up in the 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 our personal Google Drive for the for you and Graham to do copy editing early, so you guys aren't stuck doing that all at the last second. And I should be done with the other reviews and the minus the custom stuff by next weekend. So Great. the modern reviews are way simpler. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, this uh this issue's coming along. Uh, really nicely. We're already like starting planning stuff on uh, issue ten, and so more to come on that. But um, this is already pulling screens for issue ten. Yeah, it's. I gave her links to all the content, and so she's starting that this week. Good stuff. Awesome. All right. Uh, so let's talk about what we've been playing. Uh, have we been playing anything, Scotty? You've been you've been up to any of the video uh... games? Not a whole lot. Um, this was, uh, as the marathon creeps cr- closer, uh, a lot more of my time is spent to figuring out logistics and that, and then other things, and then apparently paying the government taxes I didn't, but that's besides the point. Um, so I have not played much besides Rayman 2 on the Twitch stream on Friday with Everybody Loves Rayman, 
creeping up to the very end of that game, so we're going to finish it. Um, the By the time this goes live, it'll be probably the same day if, if my timing works out. Um, finishing up Rayman 2 and maybe going to try some virtual on or something soon on the stream. Uh, but I actually picked up a couple of things to make up for not playing anything. Uh, had some nice packages delivered to me from some buddies, so I got on the Sega CD. Speaking of shmups and stuff, um, Soul Feast, F-E-A-C-E. I don't know. It's yeah. not feces. Do you know? Is that how it's said? Soul Feast. That's how I say it. Okay. I, I say Soul Feast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine with me. <laughs> Um, and then also got for the Sega CD slash 32X thing, um, the game Fahrenheit, which I guess is an FMV firefighter game. So that's, that sounds really bad and promising. Um, and then the, the main reason for these packages, I got, uh, deep fear on the Sega Saturn, which was only in Japan and Europe. Hell yeah. That's the correct reaction. Um, I've been, I've been looking at this thing in a nine and up. And now that I have an action replay for my Saturn, I can play import stuff with uh, less of a hassle. Um, so I don't know that I'll stream it cause it's survival horror. And if you, if you don't know where you're going in a survival horror game, that's no fun to watch. Um, but I've, I've heard it's actually decent. Like Graham, have you actually played it? I know you were saying forever ago, yeah. like how crazy expensive it can be. And cause I, wasn't it the last, uh, like UK released Saturn game or something? Yeah, it's definitely one of the very last ones released okay. in the UK. Um, and my friend actually had a copy. He got it like when it came out, roughly. Okay. Um, and I wish I'd picked it up. Uh, so he got it for like, you know, 30, 40 pounds where it cost back then. Um, and now it's like 200 pounds. It's like, oh my God. But um, yeah, we played the head out of it. I, he completed it. I didn't finish it with him, but we often played together. We'd often play like Resident Evil and stuff together. But we played Deep Fear, and I thought it was an excellent game. I I personally felt it was up there with Resident Evil, like terms of quality. Gameplay is very similar. The story was really good. You know, there's there's elements that you feel like are kind of I guess borrowed from Resident Evil in a way. Like camera angles are all the same and everything. It's one of those sort of you know those survival horror style games from back then. Um, but yeah, cool. I I thought it was excellent quality. Nice. Really, the, the thing I really liked was the the sort of gate the world or level design if you want to call it you're kind of on a uh, a ship if, that, if i remember correctly yeah i think it's like um, an underwater uh, underwater laboratory submarine yeah type that's thing. it yeah so yeah you're on the massive oh is it just like yeah like a a big not an oil rig but yeah a, a aquatic scientific place or whatever anyway yeah and so there's parts of it that are kind of like around water sometimes you're above deck sometimes you're below deck um but it's really yeah. cool it's like a big city almost kind of yeah anyway, would you say I it's really like enjoyed it. reminiscent of maybe blue stinger before blue stinger almost like that kind of uh claustrophobic yeah, kind of kind thing of. going on a little bit yeah there. yeah you you've definitely got the claustrophobicness it's darker though than i'd say blue stinger I, yeah visually i never finished blue stinger but, uh, um yeah i remember blue stinger being a bit light in areas not just visually but just you know in some of the the tone of the game okay um, and yeah. it's more it's more like if i don't know if you remember in blue stinger you can punch and kick and stuff and this yes. is very restricted like the original resident evil was i bet it doesn't have like, some awesome christmas tunes like blue stinger though <laughs> man i don't <laughs> No, yeah um but I, i'm excited to get into that because uh, yeah i have heard that about about it overall that it is a it's a competent survival horror it's not just another resident evil clone that just was crap like like carrier or something um yeah so yeah yeah that's yeah, it that's it i think carrot carrier feels like almost like a poor spin-off of deep fear to me 
Because they kind of got both the aquatic theme to it, but yeah. Carrier, the poor man's deep fear. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Nice. Yeah, so that's cool. That's good to hear. I am excited to try that out. Um, I got all those. And then also one of the other things I got was on the Game Boy Advance, Doom. So I'm very excited to try that out. I can't find my Game Boy Advance, though. I I have an SP somewhere, and... I just can't find it, probably because it's so damn small. So I'll hopefully report on that next time on how that game actually plays. You should get yourself a retro freak, my friend. I, yeah. Yeah. I guess something. Play all that stuff. It would be nice. Yeah. But um, but please tell us how Doom is, because I'm actually very interested by that. Yeah, I didn't know it existed, and then I found out a buddy was getting rid of it, so I was like, I didn't know that was a thing until you literally posted about it. Please give me that. Um, <laughs> so it's got the manual and everything too. Uh, so it's I'm 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 very excited. I mean, if it if it could have been pulled off all right on the 32x, then I have faith for the Game Boy Advance version. Yeah, hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully it's not like the Saturn version. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually but. haven't played that version, but I've not heard good things either. So, it's, But that's uh, really, uh, yeah, I haven't played anything, but I grabbed a lot of stuff. Awesome. You know, <laughs> I should have um, I should have thrown it your way when we were in kind of the, the Megavisions update at the top of the show. Uh, but why don't you talk about the latest uh, with the, uh, the Dreamcast Marathon? Because I think we finally... Um, we solidified the playlist today, right? We did. Um, we discussed earlier today those that are attending and even uh, and the veterans as well. We talked about a firm schedule. We're not going to post that yet because uh, we usually post that closer to the big date so that people can plan around when they want to um, show up on Twitch and everything. Um, but that is, I'll, I'll plug more of it at the end uh, in terms of details. But overall. Things are shaping together pretty well. Um, you know, we'll have prizes, and we've got the schedule firmed up. And I feel like it's a stronger schedule this year than we've had in the past because there's a lot of heavy hitters. You kind of learn over time, like what do the people actually want to watch? What is actually fun to stream? Um, uh, one spoiler, because I want Graham's reaction, his live reaction as well right now. Uh, one spoiler for the schedule, though: we are going to have multiplayer Toy Commander for sure. Yes. I knew he was going to be excited about that. I think (laughs) it's going to rely on your and my hype for it, Graham, because I tried playing it one year and nobody gave a shit. So I'm excited that you're going to be there to play it. When you've got four players in that game, it's so much fun. Come on. uh, When I was in the army, I used to, we had this thing called CQ duty where in the barracks, you have to have someone at a desk who someone comes in and out. You got to check them in, right? That doesn't, you know, um, and there's cleanup and everything else. So you're there all night, it's like a 24 hour thing. And I used to just sit up Toy Commander and <laughs> I would tell, I'd tell people because at the time there was Grand Theft Auto was 2D. I'm like, it's like Grand Theft Auto meets Toy Story. And then nice. I could get every soldier to play four players. Here, grab a controller. Like, so. like this isn't like Grand Theft Auto. Uh, it is when you curse, motherfucker. You know, and I put on different music and shit. And so we'd make it. But it was, it was a fun game. It's underrated. Yeah, yeah totally. I really, I, f- I feel like it is very underrated, unfortunately, because it was like yeah. shadowed over with all the army men 3D games that came out around there too. But it's, yeah. I like it more than those. Yeah, definitely. And can we get the snail racing going? Do you think? Uh, yeah, we could try to do that. Sky's yeah. the limit. <laughs> so awesome. is it compatible with the fishing pole? No, it's not. I don't know. You sure? I think uh, we should try it. Well, we could try it. I mean, every yeah, every hour of the Dreamcast Marathon is going to start with, will this uh, fishing pole work? Will this rod? <laughs> will it, I don't know. Will it pole? Yeah, will it pole? Find out. <laughs> 
brilliant <laughs> but yeah that's I'm uh i'm actually genuinely excited for that now. it's gonna be good it's gonna be a good time uh, i tried doing the santa bonus like christmas level that they had on a demo disc and even i was falling asleep during that time so what? multiplayer should be better uh with graham and my hyping it up uh it should be a good time but yeah we did firm up a schedule and more details on that as the updates progress cool sweet good stuff uh graham what have you been playing Ooh, um so a couple of things recently. Oh, a bit like Scotty, actually. I have bought, managed to pick up a load of great stuff recently, which I haven't really shared all of it with you guys. I shared like some of it with you on Discord the other day. Um, but yeah, I won't go into all that, but I kind of really want to talk about some of them on another show, maybe. Uh, anyway, two things I've been playing really recently. One, one is Fantasy Star, the original Fantasy Star, which was on the Mega Drive or Genesis. Um, I have tried to play that about 10 or 15 times over the years <laughs> and i never ever got past the first dungeon in fact i don't think i've really got past the first two bad guys you fight just random battle encounters i would pretty much always die and i just didn't understand the game I was like clearly i'm doing something wrong i can't seem to kill anything i might do like two <laughs> points worth of damage i just die i try to escape i go and heal myself i come back out and i die again i'm like what the hell um and if you don't know, um, Sega re-released the game on the Switch quite recently, uh, digital download. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's a physical copy, but you can just get it digitally on the store, which is what I did. And there's a new sort of Switch mode in it. So you've got the original mode, which is like the super hard game. Um, and then you've got the Switch mode, which is, it hasn't super easy, but it's fine-tuned it a little bit. Some of the early enemies in particular are a little bit easier to like take down. And you're sort of leveling up. Um, you need like less experience points to level up initially or something like that. I think the battle encounters are slightly less frequent as well because uh, my understanding is it gets really crazy later on. Um, so that just makes it that a little bit easier. I still died like a ton of times at the start of the game just going, oh my God, this is still too difficult. But I think I put some message in Discord going, this is ridiculous. And people were like, yeah, just keep going at it. Yeah, you know, just give it a try. It's tough at the beginning. And it's a game where you really have to grind, especially at the start. And some games I hate grinding. Other games I actually kind of enjoy it. And this is one game I really enjoyed the grinding with. So I grinded and grinded and grinded. Of like, um, I think I had two... Oh, the first character you have, Alice. I grinded, grinded with her a bit until I was like level 20. Uh, so I leveled up quite high. And then I instantly got like a follower who was like this little cat person. Grinded with him a little bit. And then I got another follower and I grinded with that person of it and then it's like anyway i was grinding until i was like level 50 and all of them and i just breezed through the game pretty much <laughs> um, um although i did get lost a few times like the the game isn't it's if because if you don't for listeners who don't really know fantasy star is considered possibly the first true jrpg am i correct in saying that guys mm, dragon quest is dragon quest before fantasy star it's one of the, yes. the early ones that released stateside. Dragon Quest. And, and it okay. was way... It's it's a lot different than Dragon Quest. It's an actual like dungeon crawler, whereas Dragon Quest is it's quite a bit it's different. A dungeon crawler. Not in the, yeah, the 3D perspective like Life Faisal did, though. Okay. Yeah, well... but you find your characters in a first-person perspective. You yes. know what I mean? You don't get to Fantasy Star without Dragon Quest. Let's be yeah. honest. Don't you? No. Okay, fair enough. I've never actually heard anyone sort of say that Dragon Quest was the... I, to be honest, I don't really know enough about Dragon Quest, so 
Uh, although Dragon Quest was released one year earlier, so yeah okay so anyway. yeah it's the first like, it's the first yes okay uh, it was before yeah. it uh but anyway fantasy star is one of the earliest ones and as crystal said i guess it's kind of more of a dungeon crawler type game which i don't think would really existed before then um and it's very vague in some of the things you know kind of what you have to do but they don't go oh we need to go to this area on the map next it's kind of like you might speak to someone in town who goes hey i heard about this thing like this animal that can like speak and is really intelligent or i heard about this thing that can like turn people like change people from stone to like human again and you're like okay and then you just walk around for ages and you find something oh okay that's cool um or like you have to find a robot who can fly a ship and I went to the place where you find the robot and couldn't find him until I spoke to someone in particular, but I didn't know I had to speak to this person. It, anyway, the, a lot of the game was me just walking around, like talking to people. Um, yeah, that's what but, the early portion of the game is, is kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> lots of grinding, like you said. Yeah, and there's a lot of going back to places, which is fine. Uh, it's just some of the times I didn't realize I had to go back to places. So I was like... A, I'm sure i'm sure i know what to do next but i don't at all and there's one bit where you have to like apparently it all talks about you standing on a place and lifting something up into the sky and you can find the secret floating world or something and so i was walking around the map for ages just like trying to like use this item going this does not work here this it turns out you have to go to a dungeon when the dungeon and the, the end of the dungeon is the top of a mountain and they just magically does it anyway uh dude those old right, that... rpgs like that are just so obscure with like <laughs> w the the tasks that you have to do that it's almost like if you're not using a walkthrough it's going to take you so long to get yeah there. yeah this yeah. doesn't and sound have... fun so explain to me how this is fun again <laughs> <laughs> um well it's weird if you compare it to a lot of modern day rpgs you probably think this is not a great game and like the story's really light as in like there's hardly anything about the story except for at the very start and the odd odd, per, odd bit where a person might say something to you, but not really story-driven hugely. Um, and I think comparing it to a lot of games, we probably think this isn't great. But there's something about it. I was like addicted to it. I was like going through, going, make, as I was making progress, when I work stuff out, I was like, oh my God, yes, I know where to go now. Or like, ah, I saw that thing earlier. I'm going to go back to that. So kind of just the, the fact that you could work stuff out yourself made you, it was a lot more satisfying than like, a lot of games, like in Zelda, it goes, you now have to go up to Death Mountain. You go, oh, okay, cool, I'll go up to Death Mountain. It's like people aren't telling you to do stuff. They're sort of giving you little hints, and I think that made it really enjoyable. And in the long run, it's not a... I mean, the game took me a few hours to finish, for sure, but it wasn't like a 30-hour, 50-hour game by any means. It was more like a five-hour game, if that, maybe. If, if, you could, if you knew where to go, I think it took me maybe like closer to 10 hours because I just didn't know where to go half the time. Um... But yeah, I, I finished it. I really enjoyed it in the end. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I go straight back into it, but I'm, I kind of want to play Fantasy Star 2 now. What um, you should try also, I should add, is um, try Fantasy Star on the Switch because they added a lot of new updates to it that make it a lot more streamlined and kind of easier <laughs> to play. And uh, we may have covered it last issue, Graham, um, in Mega Visions Magazine. Did my did my microphone cut out earlier? Because I literally this is the version I was talking about. No, you uh, did. Thought, Chris just isn't paying attention. I wasn't. No, <laughs> did you? I thought you were playing the Master System yeah. version. No, 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 no. Oh no. man, I I thought you said you, you got the Master no. System version. No, in fact, it. I, I, I 
I miss. I said the wrong thing earlier. I said it was originally released on the Mega Drive or Genesis. I, that was wrong. I was obviously wrong. It's the Master System it was released on. Sorry. Apologies Here, to this. Was there? Here's what was happening, yeah, Graham. Was I said there. Dragon Quest came first, and Chris immediately went to his keyboard. And go. I don't think Rob's right, and he just had to Google. You know. <laughs> so let me. And let me he explain. wasn't right technically. I am right. Well, oh so, wait, 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 wait. Technically, you are. But I'm not technically. Uh, I'm right. You're not technically right. It didn't right come or... first in the United States. Fantasy it Star came out first, bro. Like I don't want to get started. November '88 <laughs> and Dragon Quest. Came Technically, out no one cares. Graham, tell Can us I about Fantasy to... Star. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm gonna finish what I had to say because I let all you people talk. So, here's the thing: Dragon Quest was based off Ultima and Might and Magic, and Ultima was a top-down RPG, um, and Might and Magic was like a first-person dungeon crawler. So Dragon Quest takes that overhead from Ultima, leans into it more, and then uses the first person when you fight enemies. Fantasy Star just inverted it and kept the 3D first-person dungeons. So it existed with Might and Magic, Might and Magic 2. Um, which, by the way, we did cover Might and Magic 2 in issue 7. So it's just it just it just takes those same influences and leans more into the first person, probably because the Master System had a little bit more memory you know, than the, the, the Famicom. So it was a little easier to do things like that. Or they just from a design standpoint, you know. But let's not get into, oh, uh, uh, it only came out a year earlier. You know, that's a technical. Like, no, it, it came out <laughs> earlier, guys. Like, this, come on. You can't, you can't do that. You're correct. Like, you're, you're, I, I would be. It did come out I first. get it. We're all I Sega fans. We all want to think Sega, you know. It, inventing the thing doesn't make it the best version. You know what I mean? Like, iteration tends to make things like the best fantasy star game for me was four on the on the genesis or mega drive however no one's gonna argue with you on that that's pretty much yeah that's everyone i think pretty much believes four is is the best fantasy star so it takes iteration you know to get there so but let's let's come on (laughs) yeah no No, you are you are right rob and i do i do agree and i bow down superior knowledge because i just didn't know that i heard things about i don't know enough about fantasy star but that's what i heard i knew it was at least one of the earlier rpgs like i guess when people talk about jrpgs they kind of talk like to think about like final fantasy and stuff but these were sort of as far as i'm aware you're probably going to surprise me how final fantasy came out in like 1930 i don't know uh but yeah <laughs> i will say this though like i i do think um just from a technical standpoint i think fantasy star pushed the boundaries on like like 8-bit rpgs much more than almost like any other 8-bit RPG did, like including Final Fantasy. Like, I, I think it just did some really, really cool stuff. And Final yeah. Fantasy is like my one of my all-time favorite RPGs. Um, so um, okay. they are yeah. awesome, awesome stuff there. I, I will say just one one last thing on Fantasy Star. And, and this goes back to you, what you talk about, Chris, with the Switch version, which is the version I played, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> easier. Um I don't my, my understand okay, so you guys might have played it, but like the original one before. My understanding is the original didn't have maps for the dungeon. Is that correct? Correct. How the hell did anyone play that game? I think, you never, I think you never played Legacy of the Wizard, did you? No, I didn't I don't even know what that is. I'll let Chris finish, but Oh, then I'll explain what that game is. Well, I think what people used to do back in the day is like you would actually like on graphing paper, you would draw out the map as you went along. <laughs> Um, and and that's basically how you did it, and it, it sucked. They made a whole game out of that called Etrian Odyssey on the DS, where you actually draw the dungeons as you explore them, and it turns really? it into a game mechanic. Yeah, yeah, you can actually. Wow. It's a whole series where on the bottom screen you draw the mat, the dungeons out as you, and it's fun. It's fun to do when okay. it's in the game. 
That's why so many of them were put on the DS and stuff. So you played the original Metroid, right? And as you know, the original Metroid has no in-game map other than I think like no, it doesn't. So um, we had to draw like I drew them on index cards. But Legacy of the Wizard took that Metroidvania format, added five characters, and made each one of those characters have a special, unique power that you needed to further explore the dungeon with no rhyme or reason to how that works. So like you all, and there's no quick run to you always had to backtrack all the way out the dungeon back to a house on the overworld flip out a new character then go back in the dungeon and mapping that game out i mean i think i had index cards that went from my living room to the back of the house (laughs) god it was ridiculous from stranger things yeah it looks just like matter of fact when i first saw the first season of stranger things i'm like legacy of the wizard (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've got but yeah if, if you if if you're looking to get into Fantasy Star and you've never really played it before, I think the Switch version is a very good way to get in because the the they have an, they have the, the maps on screen as you explore the dungeons, the maps sort of uh, appear before you, like in the little corner of the screen. So it's so much more helpful. Uh, the only thing is you don't have overworld maps like the when you're walking around the overworld. So I did actually have to Google screenshots of like people who like made overworld maps just so I could remember where certain areas are because. There's like a big ice world where everything looks the same as you're walking around. I'm like, I, I need to find this place. I can't remember where it is. Um, but yeah, it's, I really enjoyed it in the end. Uh, yeah, not my favorite RPG, but I'm glad I did it and I can move on to number two now. Yeah. Um, and just, <laughs> I didn't realize that was going to take so long. The other game I've been playing is also on the Switch, which is Turok 2, uh, the HD remaster, which oh, I also no. own on I own on the Xbox One and also on PC as well. I'm a big Turok 1 fan. I have Turok 1 and Turok 2 on the on the N64, the original games. Turok 2, I remember loving when it first came out because like everything was like a graphical step up and stuff and everything seemed really cool. But I realized I never actually finished it. So I was playing on the Xbox One and wasn't enjoying it so much because I played through Turok 1 on Xbox One and they, smashed that game. I loved they Turok They turned those games so into killing aliens and you're not hunting dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. You just want to hunt dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, and that's the problem with Turok 2 in, in a way. The, the, on the first what, the first level, or maybe the second level, there's a few dinosaurs, like a few velociraptors that pop up, but then there's like these weird alien dinosaur hybrid things which have like laser guns and stuff. It's like, eh. And the, 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 level, uh, the levels in Turok 2 are way too big. <laughs> yeah, the, the levels in Turok 2 are way too big. Like, the first couple of levels are kind of manageable, but I've I'm on the last level now. And the second to last level is just it. I was I was playing that that level for days, basically saving it and stuff. And they kind of got some cool bits, but it's just not as good as Turok One. It's fine, and I'm enjoying it on the Switch. But yeah, Turok One is just so much more fun. I think it's just a it's a faster faster paced game, more fun. Levels hmm. are great, really well designed. I, yeah, I'll, I'll anyway. admit I never touched the the campaign at all for Turok Two. I just played the crap out of the multiplayer because all I remember oh, really? I like Turok One a lot. Uh, or am I? Uh, maybe I'm not thinking of Turok Two. Whichever one had like a black cartridge um, and the multiplayer, yeah, you could be a raptor. And there yeah. was the gun called the Cerebral Boar. Is that in this yeah. game? Okay. That's Turok 2, yeah. Yeah, I got nightmares about that gun because it's this little thing that just <laughs> fires this little orb and you you only get one shot with it because it's the most powerful in the game, but you know that it's coming for you because all you hear is an <laughs> and it and it does literally that. It bores interior cerebellum or something. Um, yeah. 
or your cerebral and then in, that's in your brain your, you're dead yeah. and you, it's fun if you yeah. watch it hits if you can outrun it and get it to go into someone else because then you just watch them like spasm and ooze drains out their head uh video games but i never touched the campaign of that only multiplayer uh, the cam- it's, campaign's got some good moments, just not as good as Turok 1. Turok 1 was just a better game, I think, all round. Just it, po- better polished. So just like, I, just want about that. I just want a fighting dinosaurs in the jungle Wave Runner yeah. game in VR right now. Like That's what <laughs> I want. I just want my bow and arrow, my bowie knife, you know, maybe maybe some extra grenades. You know, that'd be kind of fun to grenade some dinosaurs. <laughs> that would be fun to pop the pin and push yeah. like two at at the same time. Think, push, yeah. blow up some raptors. That'd be fucking awesome. Maybe some dynamite. <laughs> ah, dynamite. Yeah. I get it. Ah. Oh, dino. God damn it. <laughs> Dinosaurs versus dino. Dino. You know, Scotty. <laughs> I think we're. I think we're onto something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I'm very excited. <laughs> wow. I hate anyway, you. Both. That's me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop <laughs> that games for a while. <laughs> um. Awesome. Uh. Sketch. Uh. What have you been up to? What have you been playing? VR. Ninja Legends VR. Man. So, I got this game on the Quest, and it's just a wave runner, meaning that. It's ninjas that come and attack you. You're in a fixed position. You can walk around the boundaries of your area, but you're mostly in a. You can and you can. You can um. Basically, just move around, the width of your your play space, and ninjas attack you. However, let me just tell you, man. Like greatest, not only the greatest workout I've ever had in my entire life, and and I'm prior military. Uh, just pure fun. Like I fell down, the ground after 16 minutes on this endless mode where they just keep coming after you and they speed up and they speed up. And I had these like Wolverine, these giant Wolverine claws, you know? And I was like gacking dudes in the face like Wolverine does and like Logan. And I'm doing like Berserker Barrage. And I have all my like, on the, in the background, I turn my phone on to all the music from like Sword Art Online and Attack on Titan. And I'm just like, <laughs> and I, I, I beat like, at the time I beat the fucking world. I got the number one leaderboard on this map which is the first for me to be, you know, whatever. I fell down just, like, laughing, you know? Like, it's so much fun. Uh, I almost want to see so this happen fun. with the Attack on Titan. Like, someone do a montage of you wearing that thing with the Attack on Titan soundtrack. I, I imagine that looking epic and ridiculous at the same uh, time. And I was doing all the moves, because you, you, they got these things where, like, when they attack you, you can get a charge, a special, a special move, which allows you to use, like, a bow and arrow. Basically, a, you know, a... a a uh, throwing weapon of some sort. So I got the bow and arrow, and it slows down. It like bullet modes. It slows down when you do it. So and that's kind of how you can kind of catch a breather. And so like you know, like at, just as some guys attack me, and it's 360 degrees, they'll attack me from behind. I'll slow mo, boom, with the, you know, with the the bow and arrow, one or two to three shots, and then come out do some berserker barrage, and you're just sliding around. I play in my garage, so like I have to like start wearing knee pads or something when you're playing this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the greatest fucking thing I've. I mean. I just I and I and I immediately went on to Twitter and I was tagging them in Nickelodeon. I'm like, you gotta get a turtles mod for this fucking game. Yeah. Like you gotta seriously, you know, like <laughs> they even have a pretty decent way to emulate a bow staff where you're holding the Oculus quest controllers. Um and the character manually never lets go, so they're always holding the staff. But when you twirl, you can actually twirl the sticks, 
you know, and then your character will twirl the bow. So I was like twirling back and to the right and to the left, you know, choo, 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 twirling over. And I'm like, man, this would be great if this was Casey Jones too with some hockey sticks, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, so, so much fun. So much fun. What's that called again, though? Ninja Legends VR. Okay, that's very generic. I, that's how I forgot it. Yeah, then, <laughs> very generic name. But it, uh, you know, with these, I, I would say right now with, you know, VR games, it's very much like the arcades were in the 80s where they do one really good core mechanic, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do think, though, that I, I know No Man's Sky finally came out and everyone's super happy to play that. It's, it's pretty awesome. I can stream it from my PC to my Quest using Sideloader and it works really good. Um, but I would say that for me, I, I use VR to also work out, you know, just a way to get exercise. So the games that that are on there right now exclusively for that tended they're like arcade games where you have like a core gameplay mechanic. Those are the ones that tend to do best when they when they try to do a little too much. Um, it doesn't really work in VR. So um, there's some slower games like Red Earth came out. Red is it called not Red Earth, Red Moon, Red Mars, whatever. I don't know. I say Red Earth because I'm a Capcom fan. That Red Earth is a fucking awesome CP3 boss fighting game. Um, and that game looks pretty cool. It's it's uh, I got it and it's graphically really, really good. It uses the Unreal, the new Unreal tools, so it looks really good. Um, but I still prefer right now more action heavy games. Um, I did also play there's a new pinball pinball effects put their VR tables on there. Um, it's a bit of a ripoff. It has a 70% rating right now in the Oculus store for a good reason. So it's $15. It's $15 to get the game and it only comes with three tables and everything else is like a bonus purchase an in-app bonus purchase. So there's a universal table set. There's a season pass for their table sets. Or custom ones. And the Universal Table set includes Back to the Future, Jaws, E.T. Uh, and I was and they're twenty bucks each. So when you get done, it's Whoa, like sixty yeah. bucks. I have the Steam page open. These are ridiculous. And I kind of jumped in first, not thinking. I thought it was twenty bucks to unlock everything, you know, because it, it it doesn't really make that clear to me. Like if you're kind of an idiot, you're like, oh, I want to get that, I'll just buy the extra thing. Twenty bucks, but it was really like forty. And I feel I'm only I am only a little ripped off because the universal tab- tables have no licensed music. That's so strange. when you're playing the Back to the Future game, there are no there's no Back to the Future theme playing. It's all this yeah, like generic. Really yeah, it's really fucking lame. And I actually, you know, to their again, I tagged them on Twitter. I'm like, look, I blame myself for not checking reviews first. I probably would have been an easy pass. However, I have purchased tables from them on other platforms like the South Park stuff and their Star Wars stuff on my PlayStation 3 and 4. Um, and they always had the licensed music, you know, like always. Could you that's imagine something that you just... just kind of come to expect when you buy a licensed table or just something that's licensed, you would assume that the music just kind of comes along with it. Here's where I blame myself. I've worked on Universal licensed merchandise most specifically like Blues Brothers and shit like that. And every time we get one of their fucking licenses, they'd be like, hey, you got Blues Brothers, but you can't use any quotes, any likenesses, any hats, no glasses. <laughs> you can just use the name Blues Brothers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, shit like that. I, I, I would just literally... make two Blue Brothers. 
I did that. I did that and got yelled at for being a wise ass and wasting company time. You know, so these were hourly jobs, you know, not like freelance where you can waste your own time. So, um, yeah, so I, I go, okay, I don't get taken too often anymore, right? I'm a pretty savvy gamer. You know, you, you get your you get your deals, you get you wait, you wait a little bit, you can get a break on something. So I just figure, all right, this is just the universe evening out <laughs> a little bit the score for, for Rob for not getting ripped off too often uh, in life with games. But here's the thing. And it's probably my only real complaint about the quest at this point is you cannot refund in-app purchases. Hmm. You can Just only refund not... the game purchase. Flat out not like at all? Oh, okay. Game. So you mean you can't refund the DLC, but you can refund the full game? Just the basic game. So I can only refund the $14.99, but the in-app purchases were 21 bucks each. Gotcha. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, that's so dumb, like, well, but yeah, I, I know. I enjoy oh, playing man. the pinball tables and their, their custom ones are quite good. They have this castle storm. It's a, a dragonfly, little mini dragonflies overhead. It's just, they don't do enough with interacting. Like you can't actually walk around the rooms. You don't see your hands when the dragon comes overhead. It's not like you can like, if I could lean up and like, and the dragon can like sit on my hand and look at it, that would be, there's just a certain level of like, they're just not putting that much money into it, you know? And if they really did, it would be an amazing set of software. It's really good. Look, it's awesome when you have the pinball table right there and you can just like lean in and be like, fucking look at all this cool shit going on. And I think pinball tables work better in, in games and VR because they can do things that real life can't do, like fire effects. And you know what I mean? You can't have like characters battling on the tables. And so that's all awesome. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm half, I, I do think three out of five given the shady extra purchases and the fact that they don't do basic things in VR that I just think should, should be done. Like you should be able to see your hands. If you're going to reach down and pull the knob, right. To shoot the ball. You want to see your hand do that. Right. That's so fair. they're not right. You know, so it's weird. Hmm. So. Do they play decently at all? Like the actual tables? They play the amazing. The game plays yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah the That's game something. Plays. They just forgot about the rest. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, really, guys? You know, like, like, and that just says to me that they're working with either self-imposed minimal budgets, you know, or but I don't know. Like, if you're going to be the first one out and they ha- they make their money, put the money into the app so you're the fucking premier one. First, first to, to, to feast, right? First to win. And it's like, if those universal tables had licensed music, if they had hands and I could walk around and if I could arrange the fucking cabinets so that I could create my own little mini arcade, all those little things, then I'm like, charge me 30 bucks for this game instead of 15, you know? Like at this point, I feel like it should just be free with optional purchases, you know? I don't think there should be a $15 minimum fee for this game. I just, I can't see it at all. But you have to use your hands. That's like a baby's toy. No? All right. Well. <laughs> I didn't know where we were going with that. I just wanted to quote Back to the Future. And he mentioned yeah, hands. I know. I know. I, 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 I got it. But I'm like, I get it. You know? Um, so like that's what I've been playing. And I'm almost done with Dragon Quest Eleven. This close. Just in time for the. Oh, I want to ask this. Did you guys see the Dragon Quest Eleven demo on the Switch store? I've I've not I heard about it I saw posts and stuff on YouTube but I hadn't watched anything about it yet. It's ten hours. What? Holy crap! 
It's 10 hours long. And if you buy the game, it, you pick up where you left off on the demo. So, oh, weird. Yeah, I think and that's it's probably farther than I've gotten into the game. Right. So, so a lot I of people are like, this is crazy. It's like getting more game than most games, you know, for free. And it's fully orchestrated. And now you can dance with like the dogs and stuff. Like it's got dancing stuff. And it's, it's pretty cool. So, and it's got the option for Japanese audio or English audio. So that's pretty cool. You should check out the demo if you have a Switch. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out because um, I've been playing it on PC, but it's it, it's been a while since I've gotten to it. Um, I haven't been playing a lot. I did pick up uh, playing Persona 5 again uh, because uh, everyone's getting all excited about Persona 5 Royal, but uh, I'll tell you what, man. I, I own Persona 5 both on the PS4 and on the PS3. Uh, the PS3 release is so impressive, and as I was getting into it again today, it just reminded me of how awesome of a job Atlas was able to do with this port on the PS3 because it functions like just almost as well as 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 the PS4 version. Like the 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 only really big drawbacks, of course, are the resolution, which is like 720 on the the PS3, and then there's longer loading times. But aside from that, like from what I can tell, man, it 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 it's everything's there uh that you get on the the ps4 version and i just i think it's awesome just to be able to go back and play this game on the ps3 a console that's like so freaking old uh but this game you know just came out uh was like a couple years ago on the ps4 and it's just an amazing testament to atlas's uh you know just quality as a developer uh but i i did not beat this game uh when it came out and i wasn't even that far into it i think i was like not even seven hours into the game uh but there's a ton of free downloadable content now too i had no idea uh that all this shit was there so i picked it up started playing it i i was able to uh download a an old cloud save i think from my ps4 file but i went on to the uh the playstation store and just to see what kind of dlc was there there was all sorts of outfits and uh additional like stuff that's all free oh and they sir even, welcome to atlas they even threw in uh they updated it to where you can download the uh japanese uh uh voice acting for free and there's also like a nightmare mode or something like that expert mode or whatever that you can get for free as well there's also like tons of stuff you can buy but that's good stuff man i always appreciate it when developers throw in a lot of like free content and and kind of balance that with like the paid dlc uh there's a few developers out there that are, are really good about that kind of stuff and atlas is, is one of the few ones i think uh that do a good job with that at least for persona 5 i'll say i mean they got enough variations of the game out there and that are going to be out there that tossing in a couple of freebies every other game isn't going to hurt them too much i don't think because mm -hmm. they don't have i don't think the fighter's out yet or whatever right but they did that for four and you know anybody who's played is into the persona series knows what i'm talking about there'll be like five persona five games before six is out yeah persona five royal is coming out uh in 2020 um but that one's going to be ps4 exclusive it's not going to be coming to the ps3 which is kind of a bummer but i understand you know the, the ps3's days are long gone i think we're lucky just to even get persona 5 on the on the ps3 so it's all good. I don't even know how games on that are ever going to be transferred over. 
unless they stream them because of the the engine is so specific to that hardware. Games like Folklore, I mean, I'm, I keep pimping that game, but it's one of the more underrated titles. Folklore was good. I, I played that quite a bit. I like that game. Motorstorm, Pacific Rim, you know, like those games are, unless they stream them, I don't know how it's going to be possible. I don't think Sony knows either. Right. <laughs> you keep talking to me like we're in a theater, you know? What I mean? No, I'm Just saying like, like <laughs> I don't think Sony has any idea how they're bringing the oh. three over or what they're doing with that crazy backwards Wait, compatibility. Powered by the PlayStation Now. Oh, good That's God. Action... Powered by Geico, Geikai and on live. That's how PlayStation doing. Stadia. Sure. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Play Stadia? Play Stadia. <laughs> you, know, you know, we all laugh, but we all know major corporations constantly merge. You know, when it comes to streaming tech, who knows? You know? Play, Play Stadia. Play Stadia. <laughs> Play... I want the Play Stadia 1. And oh, no, I want Play Stadia 2. You know? uh, what have we done? <laughs> We have too many good ideas that are actually bad ideas, I think. Right. Dynamite um, is a fucking genius that's, idea. I'm not going to say it. Like, Dynamite versus dinosaur. Come on, guys. Like, is... <laughs> <laughs> so good. Right, let's get to uh, what we've been watching. Has anyone uh, watched anything last uh, week or two that uh, Grant's uh, mentioned? So did I, I, someone I, I stub their toe, anything. or are they really excited? What just happened? There? I've not watched anything. I've been in, uh, <laughs> as, as you guys know, I've been in uh, Gettysburg the past week, so I uh, have not had an opportunity to watch anything. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in for this one. Um, I'll update real quick. I watched some more sliders, and uh, it's progressively getting dumber and greater at the same time. Um, J. Edgar Hoover was president in this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and for that reason, people, uh, guys, were wearing skirts. Um, figure that out or tune in. I don't know. Um, and 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 for some reason, Edward Furlong has infested more of my life. I watched Detroit Rock City for the first time ever last night, uh, and I didn't know. I knew of that movie's cover, and I think that's all I ever knew of it. Um, it's a weird. It's like the super bad of the late '90s, if you will, because um, the entire movie is about going to a kiss show but there's like two minutes of the actual kiss show so the movie is just about the adventure and going there and i was very uncomfortable to see edward furlong do a strip show um otherwise the movie's not bad (laughs) that is awkward yep i mean he's awkward doing anything and i can only imagine him awkward or i'm sorry him trying to uh strip would just be the most awkward thing imaginable. Yep, I felt weird the whole time. Um, but on the plus side, watching that uh, caused us to look things up and found out that Steel City Con is happening. And guess who's going to be there and going to fucking sign my brain scan case? Edward Furlong. Well, I'll, He's making the rounds, he, the con rounds yeah, these days. He seems to think he's relevant now just because Terminator has come up in <laughs> news. Um, I'm going to ask him or to sign that. Pay some bills. Yeah, maybe. And then I'm going to be like, yo, where's T. Ryder Smith? Is he here too? Because <laughs> I, I want to see him more than... Uh, but thanks for the signature. See ya. Yeah, I don't know. Detroit Rock City. That was a movie. <laughs> it's not bad, though. It's fun. If you if you dig music and, and crazy teenage angst and all that good stuff and the guy, the kid from Jungle to Jungle and Edward Furlong, then there you go. Yeah, I've never seen that one, but... Um... That's interesting. It's all right. It was a good brainless Saturday night movie, you know. Uh, Graham, Ooh. you been watching anything? Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, okay. 
Check this. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I need to build this up but at the same time, not build it up. I watched uh, last weekend one of the best movies I can think of in recent times. Okay. Okay. There's going to be some judgment here, I can tell. Wait a minute. I think I know where this is going just from Too Many Games Weekend. But go ahead. I don't want to hype anything up because I'm curious. <laughs> okay. So it's been out for a few years. It's it's so it's like early 2000s or whatever. Or, yeah, not well, maybe 2010 years. actually. Anyway. 20 years. <laughs> um, how to Train Your Dragon. That okay, movie blew never my mind. mind. I had was... no idea what you were going to talk about. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I watched for the very first time ever How to Train Your Dragon, and I heard people saying it's a good movie, and I sat down and watched it, and I was like, this is one of the best animated movies I've ever seen in my life. So much so, because it's, ne- it's on Netflix or anyway, one of the streaming channels, um, and I couldn't find any of the others on any of the streaming channels. So this weekend, I... Was I happened to be browsing some stuff on my Xbox. They had the three movie um, digital download for like seven pounds. I was like, I am getting all three movies right now. So I watched <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon 2, which was just as good as the first one. Oh my God. Oh my I was God. like, this is amazing. <laughs> These movies are so good. Like, it's not just, I don't know. I love like, just the thought of Graham just sitting on his couch by himself and just giggling with glee at watching How to Train Your Dragon oh. 2. I I I I felt like I'd watched an epic Hollywood blockbuster from those movies. <laughs> I my face was just smiling. Oh like, god! Next, got the kind Graham's of gonna show. Graham's the, gonna the like show up to the marathon, and he's just gonna be like, "Guys, have you heard of Lord of the Rings? Guys." <laughs> oh man! Oh, man. They, have you guys seen those movies though? I haven't seen the third one yet. I la, think la, 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 la. I'm watch that next first, weekend. I think I saw the first two. I don't really. I know I've seen more than just the first one, but I don't know if I've seen one and two or one and three. Okay. I can't watch those movies because that what's his name Jay Baruchel or whatever his fucking voice grinds <laughs> on my ears so bad. I I just cannot stand listening to him. I, is, I can't, is that is that the I, main kid in it? I yes, don't know. He's so okay. whiny. It, I can't stand it, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, wow. Edward Furlong films, and you want to talk about whiny? <laughs> He's just got this like super, like nasally whiny voice. Todd. I can't can't Thanks, do it. Thanks, Todd. Do it. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, You're well, not I, supposed I... to kill people. You just can't. <laughs> I'm not defending Furlong. He's a terrible actor. That's in good funny movies, but Jay Baruchel. Uh-huh. Uh, there's very rarely a, a movie that. I watch and I'm like, man, he makes this movie. I no have one said uh, that ever. I have the films in 3D on my Quest in VR. So yeah. Whoa! How's Train Your Dragon in 3D? Yeah, and the 3D is amazing. It's even oh better than Avatar God. for the flying. Oh, they, they, they did an amazing. Oh. If you haven't seen them in 3D, Graham, like I'm telling you, they're. It's amazing. Yeah, I might have to get a quest just to get and, those games. Yep, yeah. I was going to say, don't look at his Amazon uh, wish list right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I am tempted to buy the House Train Your Dragon video games, and I don't really like licensed <laughs> games that much, but that's how much well... I'm enjoying movies. I'm like, I need to somehow recreate this in my life more. Those are probably hot oh, garbage, so you should like... definitely play those. <laughs> yeah. Can we just come up with a new magazine called Hot Garbage? And it's yeah. all the <laughs> shitty fucking games. <laughs> 
It'll oh. probably do better than the shit we actually put effort in. You know, cover first cover story, dynamite. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, I'm gonna make that into a comic book. A man who gets trapped in time finds himself in a cave with nothing but dynamite and has to fight dinosaurs with sticks. Yeah, that would be dynamite. so good. <laughs> yeah, and his actual, you could make it like his actual. The character's name is actually Dino Mike, like Michael. But everybody call thinks that he says dynamite. He's like, no, it's no, it's Mike. You know what? Creator. Fine, whatever. <laughs> Do I have to share creator credits, or can I just take ownership of that? Like, <laughs> um, I'll take like ten percent uh, or something. I don't know. I'll take one percent <laughs> here in the conversation because this is yeah, a great. Just idea. takes one percent of everything, you know. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, How to Train Your Dragon one and two, three. Next podcast, I hope to have watched three. So yeah, there you go. I'm oh, done. I, I can leave now, I think. Yep. Oh, I'm happy. That's what I wanted I will, to talk I will about. say this, Scotty. I think we should do, uh, like, before the marathon, we should have, like, a sliders watch when <laughs> everyone's over at your place. And just, like, maybe the first episode yeah. for those people who haven't seen it yet. I think that might be a fun we thing. We could sneak it in and be like... episode with the dinosaurs in it. We're, oh, boy. Uh, cool. <laughs> I don't know if I want to start with that one. That's, uh, that's setting the bar... <laughs> Not high, but it's setting it somewhere. Um, I remember that dinosaurs. You could just watch dinosaurs and skip the sliders. Dinosaurs Ooh. is awesome. Yeah, that dinosaurs. That, that's a good dinosaurs. night to watch it. The most depressing ending to a series I think I ever saw. Yeah, Isn't it when they all die? They all die. I've never seen the last. Wait, are we talking about asteroid? Are we talking about that the TV show, which was yeah, like with... sort of puppety dinosaurs who are like a family and you know, yeah. kind oh, of yeah. like the Simpsons? But you got it. They all die. What? Not, the not Ice the Age comes and they get stuck in their house, and that's it. It just fades away. Oh my god! That's yeah, crazy. they just they're say, freezing. "Well, this is it," and they're all just like hanging out in the living room or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I have to see that. <laughs> I have Sorry, Graham. That's basically, what it's going to be like for us, but we're just going to burn to death. <laughs> Probably watching sliders. Oh. This uh, podcast is really uplifting. <laughs> I know how to turn things around. Time to break out my sack, right? Let's get that sack Ooh, out. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. We're going to the mail sack on the Twitters first with uh, at the budgie cat asks, can you tell Eastnet to fix Rio's leather jacket so it looks more like the, his jacket in Shenmue 1 and 2? No. And the uh, you will get right on that. Um, that was all we got on Twitter. So going on to the Discord, <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Haru has an extensive one. So buckle up, boys. Considering that Sonic the Hedgehog is a franchise, and it's not bad to want something that pleases as most people as possible. Despite that, I want to know what your opinions are on the rumored infighting going on inside Sega and Sonic Team, where Izuka wants to retain the roots, and the director of Forces and Lost World, forget his name, apologies, wants to go more action-oriented. While I have enjoyed both sides, I feel that when looking at the facts, that objective quality and overall good image should come first. Classic Sonic has proven to still be stronger in every way than modern. If the latest modern and even the side projects of modern Sonic don't grab the sales and intention, then why bother? If this was any other company they wouldn't have gotten nearly as many quote-unquote second chances keep in mind i'm not talking about sales but word of mouth overall the games classic sonic still looked upon very fondly and sonic mania helped reignite the love meanwhile the most that people cling to on modern sonic's history comes to mind is sonic adventure and that was in 1999 so what was what was the question scotty um he wants to know if 
we have any opinions on the rumored infighting going on inside Sega and Sonic Team between, uh, like, who should win this battle, I guess? I guess what it's coming down to is, who do we think should win? Should it be Classic Sonic or Modern Sonic? And I'm sorry if I'm misinterpreting that, Mr. Haru, but I think that's what you're asking. So I think, I think uh, Sonic Mania should win. Yeah, I mean, look at <laughs> the new Mario. Look at Don't Mario and Sonic. Sonic. Just let Christian Whitehead take over the series and let him do do Sonic Mania, and that's the only Sonic game they make. I agree. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, blah, 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 blah. I think the classic Sonics are good still and everything, but I would love to see them revisit the Sonic Adventure sort of style games and not to be like Sonic Forces or Sonic Colors or anything like that. Um, like, tr- try and, like, what they did with two Sonics, okay, they're going to say something that everyone's going to go, like, oh my god, what are you talking about? But the Sonic 2006 style game and Sonic Adventure style game with the kind of the adventure aspects with a big overworld, you know, tra- like being able to explore the world and going to different levels and stuff. I think they could still do that. I feel like they didn't give that enough of a shot. There's only two games that really did that, which is Sonic Adventure and Sonic 2006. And I think in a way, it'd be cool to revisit that area um, and like sort of try and make another Sonic game a bit like that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I could see that working. I think they got off the rails when they started going that storybook side adventure bullcrap. Yeah, and the the thing is, oh, see, I, I, I could probably get a lot of stick for this, but I actually don't hate Sonic 2006. I think it was a bad game release but it's mostly down to the bugs and glitches and how badly put together it was but i actually enjoyed a lot of the levels and the story quite a lot for a sonic game i was like this is actually kind of fun and when they fixed a lot of the glitches it was pretty playable not a perfect game by any means but i really enjoyed it and i thought sonic adventure was a great game yeah i don't know I'd, i'd love to see that sort of style game come back again it's hard to gauge because they try to go for a serious tone with the 3D stuff they did with Forces, but then they want it to be fun and uplifting at the same time. So I, I think they don't really know what they want to do with the 3D games. And whereas the 2D games, they got an idea because it was already laid out, you know, how many decades ago? Yeah, true. Uh, I'd like to see both styles coming, but yeah. They can coexist, and I hate to say this, but look at Mario. They show that it can coexist because they have the yeah. quote-unquote new Mario Brothers games that are the 2D side-scrolling ones, but they also have, like, Galaxy, um, what was... Uh, wait, yeah, Super Mario Ga- Odyssey was the latest one. I couldn't remember the name. Something yeah. with space. So they could coexist. It's just that they need to not think that only five-year-olds want to play the 3D Sonic games. I think that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I just try to think back to Sonic Forces. It wasn't a terrible game, but at the same time, it just wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but yeah, it had less uh, replay value than Mania, which came out the same year. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I linked I you guys to a uh, demo guys been working on by porting that Sonic Adventure-style gameplay into Unreal Engine 4. It was like a month or two ago. Was that the and Sonic so- Utopia? Yeah, so some guy has been doing this, and he makes the play mechanics work it- incredibly well so uh if you look at that if we sonic, can wait that sonic utopia i don't remember the name of this guy sonic utopia that they released a demo that years like about four years no three years i was just spitting out that, that name i'm years not sure ago if that's where... what uh rob was or sketchcraft's actually talking about though but, oh okay so the, one four, the one four years ago was dope where they procedurally generated green hill zone in 3d so you could run through it and it would procedurally mm. generate cord screws and that i thought worked pretty well even though it was 
a tech demo, but there's a guy who's been porting all these mechanics over into Unreal Engine 4. That looks really, really good, too. So I, I don't know. I, I tag people on this stuff, but I don't keep track of it. So uh, there's room for that. The problem is the 3D games that they're making right now just aren't fun. You know, they're just not, they're way too fucking serious. You know, like Sonic Adventure, Adventure, Sonic Adventure 2, Adventure. You know, like there's no adventure in Sonic Forces. You know, yeah. it's like this grim and gritty. It's like Zack Snyder's Sonic the Hedgehog, you know? <laughs> yeah, I honestly was confused when they laid out the plot for me. Like Sonic supposedly is dead in the first 20 minutes and it's like <laughs> grim and dark <laughs> because Robotnik has finally won and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't want, what? I just want to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah. That, so I think that's where a lot of it lies is in the story that for some reason they feel they need to tell a certain way that they it, are. Oh, sorry. It's also it's also kind of in some of the mechanics they use in the game. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that like it's like the the whole thing where you could like you have your buddy that runs with you and stuff. You know the um like there's there's some of the levels where you've got Sonic and then you've got the the Avatar character basically um, the rookie as they call him running along with you and. The, there's all these sections where you sort of have to i guess team up i can't remember exactly what happens but you basically do this cool power thing where you both start to run super super fast and you like get fast and speed light and stuff and they do that on almost every level where there's one moment in the game quite late on in the game i don't know if did you guys finish the game by any chance yep yes yeah, so i don't know if you remember quite late in the game it's one of the last levels robotnik kind of traps you in this sort of other dimension little bit and the only way to escape is for them to run super fast. Right. I think that would have been a key moment in the game to release this cool, like cool, awesome new ability. But the problem is you've done it about 10 times already in the game. So it's kind of like, oh, I've just got to do the game. And it's just like, ah, oh, you've just like screwed up a really good bit of the game. Like that would have been, I think I'd have been like, oh my God, this is so good. But it's like, yeah, I've done this like 10 times now. It's just, it's old hat. I don't care. Right. This is a thing now. Ugh. It's, it's like they don't they think of these cool ideas and they think yeah let's just keep doing that over and over again like oh my god like the grinding yeah. on rails as well like that's kind of fun for one level and it's like oh every level now has this brilliant love it they need to apply this the the, the level of fun and, and ingenuity that was applied to sonic mania to the sonic adventure format mm. you know and um i just don't think that whoever's in charge of their current 3d setup is 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 there you know like they have their own take and i just think financially like it's pretty easy uh they're not selling so they can they can have all these like arguments all they want internally but at the end of the day units sold you know units sold they're just not selling period they don't they don't get the the traffic they don't they don't get the 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 youtube streams and they certain or the twitch streams whatever and they don't get the sales. So there really is no argument if there is one being made. The numbers are there. Um, so if they want to continue to keep their jobs, they're going to have to either get a new director who's not so tied into continuing to push this DCEU version of Sonic with weird communist logos that I don't even fucking understand. Um, you know, <laughs> and bring some fun and some adventure back into it. They need to sit down and go, well, you know, like, you know, 
I, I hate to say what would Nintendo do, but what would you know? What would 1999 Sega do with the modern technology and start there? You know, like versus this this weird, dark, grim and gritty Sonic universe that is just not working financially. Or uh, and look, there are always going to be people who say, "I really liked it, Rob. I really liked it. Great. I'm not telling you don't like something, but if you want to talk about, you know." What's going to keep people employed? Here's the sales figures. You know what I mean? That keeps people employed. So they're just not selling. Period. Sonic Shuffle 2 is what would happen if it was 1999 (laughs) again. But really, they would probably... Yeah, they would probably throw him into every sporting event that they possibly could if it was 99 still with the Dreamcast console. And that would be fine, honestly, if it meant like this, those half steps and then the next adventure game or something. You know? Chris, what do you think? You've been sort of quiet on it. Yeah, I was having a coughing fit uh, earlier, so <clears throat> uh, finally getting my voice back. Um, I, I like I said earlier, I I really think they should just focus on old school stuff. I think Sonic Mania is the best thing that has happened to Sonic in maybe decades, and I think they should just focus on on that because I think that's what people want. I I just I can't see people getting super excited over a 3d sonic like they did over sonic mania and i think they just need to kind of uh kind of hone in on that nostalgic factor that people obviously have for sonic and and let that you know be their focus rather than trying to take sonic into this like you know new you know 3d super realistic thing i it just doesn't work uh and, and it's just i think it just it doesn't it, it's failed to translate sonic's style of gameplay has failed to translate in a really intuitive way like they've never been able to fully capture that sense of what they were able to c- accomplish in the 2d version in 3d and I, I just i don't know if they'll ever be able to do it so that's what i think yeah, they should focus their efforts on making uh, knights all grim and gritty. Right? No, <laughs> god damn it! <laughs> with a Z, knights with a Z. Oh Jesus! You know? uh, there's gonna be a skateboard in there now or something. Oh god. Um. So the next question we're kind of gonna get into later, but we'll mention it here. Uh, Purovash88 asked in the Discord, "I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on the Yakuza trilogy dropping on digital, and we are going to get into that into the news." Cause so I will. Zip up my sack and oh, hold on. Okay, there we go. And toss it over to Chris. Not my sack, yeah, so, but the uh, topic. <clears throat> well, you can toss your sack this way. Too. I don't. That's mine now. All right. Uh, let's. Just, yeah. So we have uh, a, a quite a bit of news that actually dropped from Gamescom. Uh, some pretty exciting stuff. But we'll we'll lead with uh the Akuza news since uh Paravash asked about that. So yeah, I mean, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, it. Sega announced the Yakuza Remastered Collection. I guess a few days beforehand, uh, there's some rumors going around. Uh, but yeah, so Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 uh, are coming to the PlayStation 4. And Yakuza 3 is uh, available right now. It came out, uh, I guess, earlier uh, this past week. Uh, so it's available to go and, and purchase right now digitally. Yakuza 4 is going to come out uh, October 29th. And Yakuza 5 is going to be February 11th. And uh, so that's that's pretty exciting. So I guess you can go ahead and buy uh, the 
remastered uh, collection now, and as these games come available, they just like automatically unlock uh, for you. There are going to be uh, physical versions available as well. Uh, you could go and download or uh, purchase those at yakuza.sega.com slash remastered, uh, which is, is pretty interesting. So uh, there's some some notable uh, changes, just like, you know, all the time when Sega, you know, brings these remastered uh, versions out. So uh, these games were originally like in 720p. So now you're getting them in 1080. They're in 30 frames per second. Originally, it's bumped up to 60 frames per second. And uh They've also gone through some uh, a relocalization process, and the the scripts have been kind of revised, and rewritten, uh, and supposedly they're supposed to be better. So mm. overall, like, what do you guys think? Now we, you know, some of these games, like these were kind of the last Yakuza games we were waiting on until we could get kind of the full uh, series over here in the West in like well. updated and current systems. So now we have it. What do you think? So, and so also, to... oh, I just want to mention real quick, because you forgot it, Chris, the physical uh, edition coming out um, is going to be 60 bucks and has a disc for four and five. I'm sorry, three and four on one disc, five is on another disc. Um, all of that together is 60 bucks. So that is an insane deal. Mm. Yeah, that is a good deal, especially because these games go for, for a pretty penny. Uh, the actual like PlayStation uh versions of them like the the old school versions aren't cheap anymore and also yeah. i don't was it four i don't think ever got a physical release in the states either either oh, really? four or five I, four or five i forget but one of them only had i only remember this because um brett one of our uh, staff members he like because of data caps and garbage he could not get the digital version of the game um i think it's because of five you're talking about didn't okay get a, a physical release yeah so he eventually ended up just importing it so that he could you know still have internet for the month but um that's just it's a good collector's edition but i i think and i'll just chime in real quick because i don't have a whole lot to say um but i think it's a great deal and i think uh it shows that Sega wants to get Yakuza out here. Yakuza out here, and that is a good way to do it. And that is a, I think, pretty costly way to do it for the consumer. And really cool that you can just get them all and have them as they unlock and everything too. And this isn't yeah. the first time you, uh, Sega's done something like Yakuza. Um, also, because uh, I remember back in the day they released a combo pack of Yakuza One and Two uh, on on the PlayStation Two. Uh, when they brought those games over. I had it for a long time. Nice. Yeah. Anyone, anyone else's just, thoughts on this, Graham? Uh, I, I think it's a really cool thing, because um, I think it's quite good that like there'd be some people who maybe didn't have the PlayStation 2. Like, I know, like, I know this isn't including the first two, but, you know, they re-released uh, the Kiwami games, basically. Um, but so now, basically, people who have a PS4 have the chance to own the main sort of... Uh, yakuza uh games basically like all, all, all the all the big ones because i just wanted to double check this doesn't include things like dead souls or correct what's the one that's back there's one back in like samurai times yakuza or something. Ishin, i think yeah yeah, that's, I forget yeah what it's so it doesn't include those no no this is just three uh, four and five but that means you'll okay. have the entire main numbered series on ps4 now yeah. it goes from yeah. yakuza zero all the way to six or all oh yeah i forgot zero on the yeah. on the uh, ps4 so that's pretty cool. The fact that you can have it all on like one, one system. It's up, I like the fact that it's updated. It's sort of, um, it sounds really cool. The sort of stuff they've done with localization and stuff. Um, that's really cool. But 
as a as the resident Microsoft fanboy, I'd say, why can't we get it on Xbox? I'd like to I'd like to play these games on Xbox, please. But I guess they just haven't been made for it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and I want to correct us. Uh, Kenzen is apparently the the ah. feudal Japan one. Yes, that rings more of a bell. Yeah. Kenzen, not uh, Ishin, Ishin something else. Sorry. Yeah, but that's a cool, cool collection, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's and sounds like it's a decent. How much is the digital version? Oh, let me look. I had it in front of me just a second ago. Um, PS Store is loading real time. Oh, that's also sixty dollars, dude. Just do the physical. Oh. <laughs> nice. I mean, unless you uh, want, like, that, all I mean, of that them. goes for everything. You're not. You're, you never get a. Yeah, a discount for going digital. So fuck that. You probably get yeah. screensavers or not screensavers, wallpapers, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, probably. that's cool. So, yeah. uh, arguably the biggest piece of news, though, that I think everyone was excited about uh, learning more of this mystery AAA game that Sega was. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot to kind of unpack here, but yeah, Sega. Like we, I think we discussed it in last uh, the last episode of the, the the Megavision show, but they had been teasing this new AAA game uh, that's going to be a brand new IP, and everyone was like really like freaking out over it. They're like, is Sega kind of going back and and doing something, uh, revisiting an old series that you know we haven't seen for a long yeah. time? Anytime Sega, you know, teases something like this, everyone freaks the hell out, you know. Um, and they were teasing stuff on social media and it was really interesting. And, uh, during Gamescom, they actually announced it. It's a new PC game. It's going to be a turn-based strategy game called Humankind. And, uh, according to Sega, you'll be leading, uh, your people from the Neolithic era to the modern age, combining cultures as you progress through the eras to create your own unique civilization. Um, and... I have to say, I think most people were pretty disappointed overall in this announcement. What did you guys think? Yeah, it, I think when they teased it, it wasn't obviously it wasn't very clear because they're just a teaser. But it, uh, some people were getting like uh, a feeling of like aliens, like maybe another Alien Isolations game, the sort of kind of green heartbeat blippy thing, like yeah, on the teaser side. Yeah, on the teaser site. Um, and then there was something with like a pyramid and like an eye or something. Um, so you thought, oh, well, that, that could be alien related or something. Like it sounds kind of cool, maybe sci fi uh, or like, you know, old school. But I was hoping for Sea Man. Blue Stinger, too. Yeah. I was hoping for Blue Stinger. Blue Stinger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, James yeah. Pond. The thing, <laughs> there we the go. thing is, I actually have no doubt that this would actually be a good strategy game it probably will of, like so sega's got a rich history in it and amplitude, sorry yeah, and amplitude studio will but yeah as you just said it's not what people are expecting i don't think it's worth the hype and very few people would sort of rave about those sort of games being a triple a game like you know they may be fantastic games and they'll probably sell quite well but yeah i don't know it, it sounds interesting i'm interested in it I should have uh, yeah. said it earlier. It's being developed by Amplitude Studios, um, and I, yeah. I, I, it escapes me. What else have they done? They've done many things. So they do the Endless Space games on PC. Okay, yeah. Um, those are pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, that's one of the best things they're known for. Um, Dungeon of the Endless, uh, Endless Legend, mean... Endless Space, Endless Space 2. 
they made the How to Train Your Dragon games. Oh my god, if that if that was true. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Ram has uh, to change his pants now. Yeah, a little bit. Um, they're reasonably new studio, though. They've been going since 2011, so only eight years. And in the time, they've made... Uh, they've released four games, and they've got two others coming out. Um, so, you know, that's that's not too bad. And the games they have made have been sort of wildly respected and stuff. The Ender Space games are no big on the PC. Um, so, yeah, and I fully expect them... I fully expect this to actually be a very good game. Uh, yeah, I just think Sega screwed themselves over in the way they did this I don't, I don't know what you guys think about that yeah they just if they had just not said literally triple a they would have been slightly okay by saying hey this big we're sneaking in or the uh, teasing this cool game it's gonna be big but the fact that they said triple a just kind of threw everyone for a loop and and you know it, it's civilization it's their version of civilization to an extent but also what other games are even competing against civilization so maybe it's good for that that those people to have uh, some sort of competition because I don't think there's been much different in the Civ games as they've come out over time. But um, so I don't know. It's not my scene at all. If there if there is a genre that I was not into more than sports games, it would be this genre. So I just don't <laughs> care about this. But I'm also not too butthurt about it either. Yeah, I think this. I mean, I think this kind of is uh, kind of can open up a more interesting discussion in that. You know, I, I kind of feel that Sega's marketing team and uh you know they're they're kind of they're they're kind of playing, you know, like I think they are starting at a disadvantage a lot of times because of Sega's back catalog of games where they came from. You know, like anytime they're they tease anything, I mean this is stuff that that that, that um PR companies do all the time. They tease stuff like this, they put a countdown up, all the kind of kind of you know, normal shit that that these companies do to promote a a new game, and it's just the fact that it's because it's Sega, and anytime that they do something like this, everyone freaks out. And if it's not, you know, Knights or you know, like you know, Fantasy Star or Shining Force, or whatever, these old series that haven't you know really had a lot of new games for years, if it's not one of those games, everyone gets pissed off about it. And so I feel bad because these are new companies that don't that have nothing to do with the lineage of sega you know the amplitude studios a lot of these uh european pc developers they they never really had any affiliation with sega beyond when sega acquired them over the past 10 to 15 years so they're just trying to put out really good games and the pr people are just trying to do their jobs and when they do that you get fans that just go completely ape shit and get all pissed off and dislike everything on youtube and write shitty comments so i feel bad for them yeah i yeah there is an element of that i i think i feel though that i feel sorry for the studio more than the sega marketing people mm-hmm. because they they need to have a, a bit of common sense here like yes that is what marketing people do they try to hype games up but you've got to know your audience they know that sega's got this rich back catalog of stuff and like how people have reacted but it's not a new thing that fans have gone oh my god what the hell are you doing this is rubbish i want shining force 3 i want skies of arcadia you know they've seen this happen every single year like someone just to say he's go right you know announce this game it's going to be a good game we know this just don't overhype it don't if you are going to tease it like i don't know just yeah don't play with people because they're playing with the fans emotion it seems a lot of these uh, a lot of fans of like old sega stuff rightly so 
are quite emotional people because they 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 grew up these games these games are their passion i think all of us here in this podcast we we have this passion for sega that's why we've been doing this for like 15 years basically these like running different sega websites um it yeah and like that's kind of like they're just toying the emotions almost that's like oh my god this is gonna be amazing this is that this is great uh, uh, oh no what is this a pc game that i don't really want to play uh okay i mean yeah it's i i feel sorry for the studio but not for the i think the sega's marketing people just need to use some common sense basically um read the room people yeah. i'm yeah, exactly. absolutely Thank certain you. guys i'm absolutely certain that all the kids playing fortnite and watching ninja and pewdiepie just can't wait to get their hands on humankind <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and to blow up the twitches and the with mixers whatever that shit is you know with <laughs> the footage yeah. of these yeah and, and that you just nailed it on the head as well there of the the kind of pc gaming scene has really moved on over the years like back in the mid 90s something like this would have been like a really killer game um you know like when civilization first started like that was a really impressive game and this that has the same feeling for that um and i think as i say it's gonna i probably will sell well because these games do still sell well on pc but not so much that you can really hype it up in that extent because a lot of these gamers especially um like influencers on twitch and youtube and mixer if you want to include that um yeah uh they don't really play these kind of games i guess um, no, i don't think that's the audience they're looking for i think when they are looking for those to reach those those are that kind of audience that's when you're using like a sonic mania or something like that or or the genesis mini this is not that audience oh sure. uh, yeah uh, for sure it's not the audience but the way they're hyping it up this kind of aiming at those sort of audiences that's this when is you, what you i'm trying to get at that's what you're aiming i agree for. With, i agree with graham and having worked you know a bit with sega pr in the past they are constantly trying to aim for the younger the newer kids you know like they don't care about the older aging sega gamer they're looking for the newer things when they say triple a game they're like oh we're gonna we're aiming for that 20 year old crowd that wants the new and then boom it's this fucking civ thing which look if they had just come out and said we have a new strategy game coming out you know sega strategy fucking game coming out people well no because i'd be like shiny force war you know so that probably wouldn't have helped any i just i think they quieter on the hype, just release it. Like the only thing they could have done worse was put a countdown clock in front of this thing. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> that would have been the best because the internet would have just table flipped. You know, so I do think that Sega PR, at least within the United States, is constantly trying to appeal to that Fortnite crowd. You know, I mean, not specifically. I'm just talking about that demo when they're those people don't give a shit they're just not that's not who's actually purchasing these games to which end uh, i mean like a, a civ game has to be upper teens early 20s mostly right who's playing a civ game right now at that level i mean to the point where even activision from what you know if you believe the rumors on the internet seems to be like oh we're not going to make any more starcraft i mean i don't know you know i mean there's that 4x that hardcore pc 4x strategy gaming crowd but this isn't really for them i mean there's that civ crowd and i guess you could say civilization but they already have civilization you know so i don't know they're not clamoring for a civ competitor so i look it might be a fun game a, you know an 8.0 8.5 game but 
I mean, given that they've already announced Streets of Rage 4, like, this is not the time to be overhyping, you know, okay new games when they sh- team I, team sonic racing you know what i'm saying is barely barely working you know like i don't i don't get yeah, it yeah i i agree but if you look at like sega west i mean really the the only thing they kind of control that they really have that's theirs that sega of japan doesn't completely direct them to do is kind of the pc scene um whereas they have like I mean, Sega really is a powerhouse on, in the PC industry these days. I mean, they have tons of of really good developers in in Europe and Canada, and so I think that they, um, you know, I think they're just trying to further kind of entrench themselves into some of the hardcore PC genres, and and then you know maybe do you know coming up with a, a new series that can kind of push Civilization, see what they can do, see if they can find some success there. Is, is something yeah. that they're look at, looking at doing. They're, they've had a ton of success on PC over the past 10 years. Uh, way more probably success on that than anything that they've done on consoles here in, in the West. Um, and so... This is going to be forgotten about, like, the condemned sequels, you <sighs> know, and the, you know, all these other vague, three to, you know, third-person shooters, like vanquish and you know it's just it's just gonna it's just gonna be i know it's like, I'm gonna love all those but they're just gonna be forgotten about to the the it's it, it look it lacks i might be biased on this but i really believe that games that want to break through triple a whatever you want to call it that when you say triple a i'm not even considering the the money being spent on it i'm talking about the the it's like they call it movies four quadrant Right, the, you break through all the the barriers of age demographic. You're getting everyone. You're getting the young people, the old people. In order for that to happen in games, you have to have a central. You have to have some central characters. You have to have some kind of like that's an amazing character or universe. If the universe has mm-hmm. to be a character, like that's where strategy games tend to fail. That's probably the reason why for me, like Warcraft back in the day and Starcraft were the ones that really took off because they kind of had that setting that even the setting itself was sort of a character the space marine versus the zerg it was very yeah this something is, that the audience can grab you know they can yeah this has monkeys yeah. and buildings and fucking whatever and i'm just like this isn't trip this isn't a four quadrant game this is a niche very targeted demographic on the pc side and i don't know if they're clamoring how much they're clamoring for more of what they've already got that they're already getting you know, it's like the I, I bring it back to the forex strategy market, the hexagonal forex strategy market, because there's a grip of those, and there's a diehard base for them. I I enjoy one or two, but they all sort of blend together. None of them has that breakout four quadrant appeal to it, and it for me it comes down to either the world being a character or there being actual characters. That's the reason why Fortnite, in my opinion, took off past PUBG once they figured out you know. The battle royale mechanic, which is sort of a character, but it had characters you could latch onto as kids. Like, Look, these are characters. They have little toys and little pickaxes, and they have the action figure appeal, that four quadrant appeal, guys. Like, I- I've worked in so many t-shirts and marketing and licensing. Like, I when they go this generic all around thing that just lacks a core something or a je ne sais quoi, you know, <laughs> then it it it's it's just gonna be forgotten about. So, yeah. that's my two cents. 
Um, I'm I'm looking, you know, to 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 wait on this. Um, I, I don't think we should completely dismiss it. Um, I love the Geico uh, uh, caveman in the the commercial <laughs> for it. I thought I thought that might be the best thing I'd say for it. The commercial was it was supremely well done. I thought uh, it was it was pretty interesting, but. Yeah. Um, no, like I just, I think it's an interesting conundrum that Sega's in, like I said before. Um, but uh, I don't know. Well, I would not be surprised if this game came out. It was, it's a perfectly fine game. It's, it's fun for those people that like that kind of stuff. But um, I, I don't know if it's gonna make that big of a blip on the radar. You know? Yeah. So. I, I just, just on the note of the marketing side of things, I just feel like Sega with these sort of games. They can sort of tease it a bit. They can market it in a good way. Just they're not doing it right. Like they can try and make the. They can try and like. Does anyone actually read the description of the game? I'm actually quite interested in this game. Like reading the proper description, they can mm. sort of advertise or tease in a way for the genre around the game. Make like make the game like excited. If that makes sense, um, it's a good rough. name. I'll say that the name of the game. That's a that's a solid name. Mm, it's, yeah, it's not a, not a bad name, I guess. It's not yeah, as good as Dino Mike. You know, no, damn it. <laughs> like seriously, if their new game was Dino Mike and it was an Unreal character, he's Dynamite. Like that sounds dinosaurs. like a sixteen-bit character platformer. That's what people yeah. want. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do they though? Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah, I guarantee you. Uh, we've had <laughs> we, <laughs> we've had too many of those. No, not this generation. You guys could go play Pugsy if you want. God damn. No, I want to play Dino Mike. I want to have Dino Mike versus Dinosaurs. Yeah. The only thing that can make that better is Rollerblades, you know? Like, or Tybo. Remember Billy Blanks? Get some Billy oh, Blanks yeah. as Dino Mike. Like, like, <laughs> gosh, it's so good. <laughs> or Terry Tate, Office Linebacker. You know, the game I never got. Just you, I want to use that. I want to use the NFL Blitz engine, but put it in an office. You know, like, <laughs> Office Football. Oh, that would be great, right? Where, like, you're in an office, you just yeah <laughs> you goddamn right <laughs> <laughs> i think to end on this game the biggest splash in the pan that it's had is uh the hype that was leading up to it and then everybody looked at it and that's probably the most attention it'll get yeah we'll see we'll see i'm looking forward to it still yeah, yeah. um okay so the last bit of uh sega related gamescom stuff was uh shinmu 3 uh, the new trailer came out uh and a day in shenmue yeah that's what it was called and it's it showed uh were you just kind of walking around going to a couple shops uh talking to people uh he went into an arcade uh and I, arcade. Thought, I thought the arcade games were kind of interesting because there was a lot of like old school type of arcades like very mechanical they're not like super digital it's like that one little racing game where you actually have like a pole that's controlling the uh, the actual car that's moving back and forth and stuff. Uh, I thought that was uh, pretty awesome. What do you guys think of the? Uh, they the got that section? QTE battle back. I'm gonna be in there. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. They got Ren in there. He's talking. He's giving Rio shit as usual. Um, and Ren. I forget what's the girl's name. Uh, Chen maybe. I can't remember. Um, Is it Shenhua? I don't remember, but the fact that we just yeah. finished two, 
you know, I'm much more excited for this than I was, and I feel like this trailer is finally doing a better representation of how just the game is going to be, not where the story is going, not where this is going, just like the title says, A Day in Shenmue, and you see, like, some of the fighting going on and some of the weird characters, uh, a little too much of their teeth, but whatever. Um, but um, it looks good. I'm excited for it. I think this trailer represents it better than anything we've seen so far. Yeah, there's... Uh, it, it, it also, like, towards the... A latter part of the trailer it shows ryu going back into the street fighting uh like he did uh a lot in the previous two games and one of the cool parts is that there's like all sorts of different uh martial arts experts that looks like he's going to be going up against like a a thai uh kickboxer they got some like uh monks in there they got a couple americans in there and stuff so that's going to be i think pretty interesting uh you know a game they've yeah. never put in Shenmue or Yakuza that I'm always like let down by is um, Sega put out a game, I want to say in 83 or 84. I just played it for an hour again the other day because they finally got it in at this arcade near me called Congo Bongo. It was like an isometric Ooh, yeah. Donkey uh, yeah. Kong clone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, when you look at it, you can't believe it came out like a year after Donkey Kong because graphically it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing actually compared to... Um, actually donkey kong but uh yeah that's a game that's never there's a bunch of sega games from the early 80s that should be in these arcades you know that never make it beyond just the hang-ons and the space areas yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. well yeah i think a lot of the reason why you get those um the games that we do get is that they're all yu suzuki arcade games um and it's i think one of the reasons why he puts those into to his game so i don't know who who's the actual developer of congo bongo but i i do like that game that is a Super, super cool game, and I, I, it would be neat to see more of classic uh, Sega arcade games, especially even some of the, um, like, the old ones. Like, we get some of these, like, mechanical arcade games, because there's that one, what was, like, Sega's first one? It was, like a, like, a submarine arcade game, like, way, way, way back in the day. Was it um, Yamato? I can't remember. I thought it had an American name to it, but something like that. That would be perfect to put in here. Um, and maybe Yu Suzuki with Shinmu 3, I, I don't think he could put any of the, the, the licensed like Sega games in here. Like you're not going to be playing Outrun or Hang On in these games. These are all kind well, of. Yamato was a, was like a first person battleship game, if I remember right, where like, okay, so they had like airplanes that would be on the horizon and you would fire first person at it. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Like, like there's a lot of classic Sega arcade games from the, early 80s it just you know i mean if like up and down was dope which was this like arcade this kind of vertical um if you like rc prom it kind of like predates that a little bit it's not nearly as good but it's cool it's and he uses isometrics to create like driving up hills and you kind of fall back and shit like that so there's tons of them that that would never sell on their own you know like in an e-shop you know like you're never gonna you're not gonna sell like here's all these sega collection classics but if you put a bunch of these games in Yakuza or Shenmue game, I think they're the perfect place to, ex- to experience. Like Pig Newton. You guys remember that game? No. I do not. Yeah, I know, right? That's, it's a fucking weird game, dude. You're like this hillbilly pig. You know, you, got, like, <laughs> you, you climb up a tree and you got to like try to get apples and shit. It's fucking dumb. But there's some crazy Sega games, man. That Yeah. I only played them all because... Uh, we used to have these, I, I've said it before, we used to have these arcades where you'd pay like an entry fee back in the 90s. 
like five bucks and then they'd have a giant free section and everything else was like a nickel or a dime or something and so i would go to the free section and they just for some reason for a year or two they had all these crazy i was like this is a sega game this is a sega game like what is what is i didn't even know about congo bongo until then or uh gosh what was another one like was it starjacker was one that i remember it's kind of like a Zaxxon style game. So, mm. I mean, whatever, dude. There, there's a lot of crazy, cool Sega games that never have never seen any release beyond the original arcade. Yeah, the I found the submarine one. It's actually called just Periscope. Yep. Oh, yeah, it. that was it. Yeah. Was that the one in Jaws? Wasn't there one in Jaws? Oh, um, it, it might have be, been. Actually. It might not have had that like the Sega logo anywhere or something. I don't know. Or if it did, it was this was like a weird early like 60s, 70s time for Sega. I just found an old video with all their arcade games and stuff. But yeah, Periscope was that one anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. I want to ask you guys, like, I, I think uh, this trailer's got a lot of people, you know, there, a lot of people have been very critical of the, the visual style and like what Shinmu 3 looks like. And they just say it doesn't it doesn't look very good. It looks ugly. The character models look ugly. Um, they the eyes look all weird and stuff and the it's it's gradually gotten better i think most people will agree uh but i think uh you know it's a few months away from from coming out and people are still being very critical about it so do you guys think that uh do you guys like what do you think about that do you think shinbu 3 needs to be graphically on par with games that are being released today to be able to you know find enjoyment out of it or what are your guys thoughts on that um, my quick thoughts are it worries me on the trailer that it says work in progress game, not final, but I guess they kind of got to do that to, you know, cover their asses, but even though it's They're a couple do months away, yeah, very true. Um, I, yeah, after I mentioned again, we just finished two, you know, I've, I've caught myself up now with the group here on the Shenmue lore and everything. I was never in it for the graphics at the time. And Sketchcraft has said this before too, like at the time it might've mattered. I myself say that at the time it was better than some of the looking some of the games out there right now and it set some standards graphically and everything but i don't feel like that's why people were initially drawn to the game it maybe it was i don't know i might be wrong with that but i feel like the character the story the characters um and the actual character of the game is what prop people that's what's keeping me in and that's why this is one of my more intrigued universes i i'd say that it's one of my favorite sega universes now now that i've experienced two all the way through minus the duck game but hey whatever <laughs> it's getting a pc release yep so yep. you know bethesda's proved this point no matter how ugly they try to make the bethesda games fans will always make a mod that'll let you fix the faces so um <laughs> and given how much people love shenmue i guarantee you there'll be there'll be odd that someone out there will put out a mod to make the game mm, more less true. weird you know yeah I, I do think look if i could go back to the original Kickstarter, I would have just made something that looked like a, the Shenmue 2 with modern lighting and, or hand-painted textures, something a little bit more artistic, like No More Heroes or something, because it just competing with AAA... I mean, guys, I've worked on AAA games. You know what I'm saying? Like The amount of money and tech that goes into even the game like Spyro, where you're, you're making this look essentially like a playable Pixar game, I don't care how cartoony it looks, it's incredibly difficult. And that 20 million ain't getting you there. You know? 40 million ain't getting you there. So, um, 
what you see is them trying to fake it till you make it. But I really think they should have gone with something more hand painted or cell shaded um, or make it look like the original game just with a lot more content and better lighting. So, hmm. what else? Yeah, I mean, I mean, nostalgia is in now, so they could have honestly gotten away with that just fine. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same as well. I, 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 to answer your question, Chris, I think the graphics are not going to take away from the enjoyment of the game if the gameplay is solid, like the originals were and stuff. I, I feel though, for it to capture um, newer gamers, like uh, as we talked about before, like the gamers or whatever. Um, we all know that graphics don't make a game, but if you see this game next to like another modern game, you're just looking and going, it looks a bit bit ropey and stuff. You, I think some people may not sort of appreciate it as much. And I, I do feel though that like the character models do still look quite janky in areas. And there's a bit where Ren and Rio are talking like on a dock or something. There's some water nearby, there's some buildings in the background. The background looks pretty awful actually. It's like kind of really flat. Um, whereas in the original Shemu, everything was like solid and 3D, like in the, in the distance, like you see buildings are like, even like a mountain in the distance was 3D generated, like 3D created. And there wasn't really anything that was sort of flat and stuff, but this looks like they've sort of, I don't know if you cut to like 38 seconds in the video, you can sort of see what I'm talking about. There's like a whole background bit with some buildings and it kind of looks pretty flat to me. Uh, they don't have the third of the budget of Dragon Quest 11. Yeah. They don't, you know, it's look at the testament know. that the average person can't tell, you know, which is why, you know, as an artist, you develop, you want to develop to the point where, you know, it's good enough, but the average person doesn't feel like, you know, oh, I got, he just kind of got it done on time. Like the, the kind of average consumer can't tell, but I can tell, you know what I mean? Like I can, mm -hmm. it's glaring. And, and for those who are wondering what's a little off, if they can see it, that's what's off is they're trying to do a lot with very little. Mm -hmm. And this is something where they could have solved it in design, you know, and leaned into a more, a stronger art direction instead of trying to compete with, I mean, it's not going to look as good as Dragon Quest 11, let alone a Yakuza game, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> sorry, it's just not, you know? Yeah. Well, one thing I will say is the animation of, of some of the things, like, I think when they're talking and some characters talking looks a bit weird, but some of the animations, like with the fight scenes and stuff, and like, uh, there's a bit where you see like a lady picking up like an apple to offer it to Rio and stuff. I thought that actually looks very smooth and quite nice. Uh, like in the original Dreamcast games and stuff, and like you can see sometimes when you're fighting, some of the moves just look a little bit janky. So it feels like they've sort of smoothed out some of the martial arts in this, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping the gameplay in that in that respect sort of holds up really well. Basically, uh, I was gonna say I think as long as like for me at least, uh, I think as long as the character development and building and story are on point, um, I think Shinmu fans. Are gonna find a lot of enjoyment out of this. I don't think this game, even if it looked great, is gonna bring in many new players into it because this isn't this isn't a game that's that's meant for a wide audience. This game is meant for hardcore Shinmu players, you know, mm -hmm. fans. So I think, you know, looking at it at that standpoint, if if you could, Suzuki can kind of 
come through in the story uh, at part of it, I think it's going to be fine. I don't think hey, it graphically needs to they're be... going to fix. There's going to be mods. You know, there's going to be a million mods for the game, so people will mod it. Oh, people are going to do all sorts of crazy shit. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Good old um, fix the face mod. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no telling what kind of mods there's going to be. Um, <laughs> there's actually, I mean, there's already a, a lot of cool stuff of uh, on the Shinmu One and Two uh, HD. All uh, new on, cheat. On PC. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> okay. I do know that they've uh, they've made like uh, super HD textures and stuff like that. It makes the game look a lot better. Oh. Uh, so there's there's a ton of stuff like that. So yes, uh, Rob, I, I definitely uh, believe that there's going to be some stuff on that end that's going to address I wanna, that. Yeah. I want a feudal Japan mod and call it Oni Shenmusha. Oh no! <laughs> right? Is that clever? I've been Dynamite. waiting twenty years to make that joke. What? <laughs> we got Dynamite and we got that now. You goddamn right I'm making that I'm like Jesus Christ. I've, I've got to ask one question for you guys for the I guess you the full trader and stuff. What did you think of the ending where he's fighting Chai and then basically loses and uh yeah and like he sort of like ah I'm fine this is nothing. I was so happy with that voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so good. I I thought that I thought it kind of for me, it helps sum up the kind of where the story might be going in the game, or like you're getting a bit more. I don't know. Like we we've seen sort of screenshots and stuff. We know kind of roughly the story, you know, based on the first two games and stuff. But I just think it's kind of cool seeing the character and that he's like almost he's been beaten and it's kind of like I I feel like it could be sort of like a you know a rise like a rebirth almost like he's got to try and fight back again. That's every know, really Shinmu had... game. Ryu gets yeah, you just described it left and right. <laughs> what? Yeah, what he just Adam's in the first one. In the second one, he just like loses his bag basically, and then has to like. Dude, he gets his ass kicked like throughout <laughs> Shinmu uh, too. Like, yeah, he has to fight back right against Golem in the first one. He has to kick Golem's ass eventually, and then in the second one, he has to eventually kick the ass of the big towering dude that I forget the name of that like wants to eat babies or whatever. Yeah, yeah Graham, that's exactly what you just said. <laughs> Fine, I don't know. This felt this felt deeper to me. Like, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm good. all there, dude. I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm really not saying you're wrong, but that's also happened in the first two games, which is fine. That's how the story's going like to continue to be told. Quite like that in Shenmue 2. because you never really fight the big guy until the very end because he's too tough. You you always die. Yeah, but think about remember when uh, I forget what her real name is, but Li Xiao not is it Li Xiao Tao? Uh, the, blue the, dress the, lady? the girl in the blue dress. Yeah, what's her name? Nah. Oh yeah. Shin, Shin, oh, man, damn it! I forget her name. Anyway, she kicks your ass throughout the entire game. Like every time Ryu get, like smarts off to her, and she's like, "Okay, let's spar." She'll beat the living shit out of Ryu. Yeah, but uh, that, that she's a good guy, and she's like, if it was, I don't know. I think we'll Just like it's like every time Ryu thinks he's a badass, and then he has to get put in his place, and he yeah. realizes like he's still got a lot of growing to do. And so it looks like there's going to be more of that. But um, anyway, that's Shinmu. I want Ryu to get a dragon and how to train my oh, Shinmu. Yeah. <laughs> His name is Ryu. It means literally dragon. Well, I'll tell yeah. you this. What if we do how to train your Panzer Dragoon? Because Ooh. that's the next Hell yeah. topic that we got. And uh, yes. Graham, since you're so excited bam, bam, about bam, dragons, bam. why don't you talk to us about this bit of news? 
Okay, so obviously, yeah. Um, um, so if you don't know, I'm a massive fan for one thing, and also love how to train your dragon. Breaking news. Um, <laughs> You'll learn today. Hot oh, takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you if you didn't know, uh, Sega is remaking Panzer Dragoon. Um, it's coming out on the Switch, and they revealed a trailer or game or gameplay footage at Gamescom, which is pretty cool. Um, there is uh, there's at least one YouTube video out there, maybe a couple with uh, sort of off the screen footage, sort of like someone filming off the screen to sort of show the game in action. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I, my initial just just looking at it, you can see there's a lot of extra details that have been added to the game because the game was originally released on the Sega Saturn, if you don't know. Um, so the upgrade from 32 bit to whatever bit we're on now is pretty impressive um but they've kind of kept uh a lot of the original feel for the game uh but they've got sort of new aesthetics sort of overhauled i guess um yeah uh i, I don't know what else to say other than that on it well have you guys watched the video have you guys watched the uh the gameplay footage yeah i'm watching it right now uh it looks okay, really excellent. solid and a lot like the first game so they have said that they are are make, remaking the first game, but that in mind, you know, it's going to be a short one, but they want to make it pretty true to how it was, and it looks really yeah. good. It looks... Um, the uh, the targeting system looks good. The enemies look fun. The the world just around it looks more lively. I, I imagine this is how it felt when people played the first game. Just like it does look like a mm. just a, the shattered remains of a civilization that you're flying around, yeah. and, and I think it looks it really good. Uh, it's been a while since I played the original game because uh, uh, it's not my favorite of the series, but it is a good game. And looking at the gameplay footage, it does look quite similar to level. Like there's, there's bits where like pillars are falling down and stuff, and like the style of like some of the pillars and the archways you go under, it's pretty much the same. Obviously, it's a lot higher detail here, but better use of colors as well, I think. Because um, Pans the Panzer Dragoon games have never been super colorful they have like touches of color like in the dragon's wings and stuff and there's always these elements of like like there's like lots of grays and browns around because it is a right always hear, see these like little elements of blue or green i feel like it didn't really get too colorful until like orta almost yeah orta ramped up the color quite a bit uh i, still, I loved orta i have to admit but uh i feel like that might have, it might have got a little bit too colorful because most of the color came from the more natural elements like the monsters and stuff whereas the actual civilization and stuff that we used to be is like all kind of gray and drab and yeah um so yeah they, they seem to have kept that really like there's not really there's there's a lot there is more color than the original here but it's they've kept it more that just the slight touches here and there which i think is really cool and it's kind of kept kept it feeling good and as you guys have said, said that the world feels more lively like you can see further in the distance clearly because it's better uh, more modern technology and stuff and yeah i i'm really digging this um i'm very excited basically uh and i hope this means we will see a panzer dragoon come out because that game was freaking awesome well the um, uh, you cut out for me for a second did you say zvi zvi oh that's already confirmed to be in development oh yeah, is they're, it they're okay. doing, yeah they announced wow. um that, that they're doing panzer dragoon one and two Oh um, God, Graham! You got to stop buying cars and keep up more with video game technology. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, <laughs> and stop watching How to Train Your Dragon and play tri How to Train Your Dragon. In fact, Zvi almost is How to Train Your Dragoon because almost, you know, yeah. the baby dragon and it grows. It's great. I love it. There uh, you go. 
<laughs> wow, very exciting. Yeah, um, I think maybe um, we could get Jay Barishul to the the voice Jesus act, Christ. like the main character. Yeah, that make it feel I'll better. <laughs> uh, one thing I don't know that we've mentioned since we started talking about this remake is they haven't conf- they have not stated anywhere that it is a Switch exclusive, so it might actually be on other consoles. But they haven't confirmed or denied that it is a Switch exclusive, though. That's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, because uh, I, I would happily play this on the Xbox, uh, obviously. Um, in fact, if you don't know, there is the Panzer Dragoon spiritual successor on the xbox um which I'm oh really yeah crimson dragon crimson yes yeah, so crimson dragon which was actually a pretty good game um, i think there was a sequel on mobile phone there oh. was on windows phone 7 uh <laughs> great oh, yeah. which was Big also seller. good but it was a side-scrolling one and it was actually fun but yeah not as good as the the full the big game and stuff uh i think yeah. he uh, was a creator of pez dragoon and he is a legendary developer. I, I love him. Yeah, he is great. Uh, I was going to say, I think the there. Switch fits this well because it is it is kind of an arcade on rail shooter and it can be short, mm. but that might be good for handheld quick bursts, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's going to be, uh, like, with, with Vi coming out, as you guys have confirmed to me, which is great, uh, I think it's going to be even better because, I don't know, have you guys actually played Vi? Very little. I found out recently Years that my ago. Saturn disc actually cannot be read. It's scratched pretty bad, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. No. So, and the game's oh, not sad. cheap. So, wait for the remake, I guess. Yeah, because in in Panzer Dragoon One, it's kind of like you the, the, you only have one route for the level, and you're just following it basically and shooting things, which is which is great. It's fine, but it's why the levels have multiple paths and stuff, kind of like Star Fox sixty four or whatever. Um, so the game's got way more replayability in it um like some like me and my friends have played the game and come across completely different pathways and stuff we're like how the hell did you get here and it's like oh i just did this and it's like oh my god so if you shoot certain things or you choose a direction to go so the game's just a lot more it's not open but it just feels more open because you've got more choice in it and it, it just you still fight the same bosses and everything and you get the same sort of towards the end so kind of the same but it's just a bit more fun like finding the different routes and just bettering yourself so when Zvi comes out that's gonna be i think it's gonna be awesome cool I'm i excited. hope yeah, that uh, i hope they come out with physical versions and if they don't plan on doing it i hope that they can maybe partner with limited run and let them do some like really badass panzer Dragoon collector's edition only available on 64 roms <laughs> god damn it uh, that would probably be the first limited run game i might buy actually uh, but I kind of hope they just release a. Are you trying to say you didn't get Corpse Killer? What the hell, man? I, no, hell? I, 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 I was tempted, but it just wasn't a dragon. It was just no crazy dragons. It just wasn't a dragon. That's all right. <laughs> Put that on a shirt for Graham. All right. All right. Time for our feature discussion, and uh, this is some news that came out uh, last week or or so, um, and we've been talking about it, you know, like in Discord and on Facebook and everything. So there's some news that GameStop uh, has uh, laid over, laid off over a hundred employees, uh, including uh, quite a bit of the game informer staff. Uh, so I want to get everyone's reactions on this news. And then we'll go and talk about like, if we think they can do anything at this point to actually save the company. So, um, so sketch, why don't you lead us off on this one? 
this probably didn't come to really any surprise to you, right? What what bit in, part of this was surprising, if any, this news? Um, so in all disclosure, I, I used to work for game magazines, play magazine, and I helped relaunch game fan magazine with Dave Halverson in 2010 before I had to bow out after a couple years of that, that venture. And then a couple years ago, I did the cover to game informer issue 290. Um, Andy McNamara hit me up based off, um, all the work I'd been doing with, you know, putting a million different, like the Chrono Trigger and the Battletoads tributes I did and wanted to know if I could do something like that with this hundred JRPG of all time, uh, feature they're putting together for Game Informer to which I was like, in my mind, I was like, first, that's awesome. One and two, I better better definitely get on this while the magazine still exists because <laughs> it's not that the magazine sales had been going down matter of fact if you look year over year that they go up the problem is that there's no financial there's no advertisements for games and game magazines you know like a lot of the ad budgets starting around 2008 after the recession went away and then slowly moved to like online streaming sponsorships and stuff like that influencers influencers so i mean which you know sega nerds and you guys you guys are very well much aware of how all that works Mm -hmm. Uh, so i i mean i think what shocked me wasn't that it finally happened was that it genuinely seemed to take andy mcnamara by surprise like he actually did an audio interview about a week later a couple days later you know and I mean, they they generally never saw this coming, and they have a staff. I think of like nineteen or twenty people. So losing half of a staff of twenty people is pretty big, you know. Like they still have to make the same magazine with half the people. Hmm. Uh, guys, you know what I mean? <laughs> that ain't easy. Lives, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been saying this since I first met you know you, Chris. You know, look, when it comes to doing anything in print. It's going to have to be, you know, less people with more skill sets, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just the name of the game. I just find it completely unnecessary. You know, much with comics and anything else that is sort of owned by a major corporation, I sort of feel like, one, when it comes to print sales, I'm not saying that they should be taken at a loss, but that they should be focused on creating entertainment and and that the, the write-off for physical sales is all these extra digital purchases like in comics now with game informer and a video game magazine there's no real there's no ownership of any ip right like it's a magazine to promote sales it's a buyer's mm-hmm. guide yeah like in a way i sort of felt like that magazine and any publication should have been pushing more and more towards uh entertainment like original content just in terms of like even if case in point imagine if penny arcade had a game magazine it'd be the penny arcade guys you know what i mean talking about games and maybe interviewing guys and having like content creation so i don't know like there's something else and with what we're doing here it's trying to slowly push push it towards that issue after issue whereas game Inform is just it's part of the 90s that you know, those that's based off an ad revenue model that just doesn't exist. You know, so it's it sucks. Nobody wins. The people who own subscriptions, you know, they don't win. The people who are working there, they don't win. There's not a lot of job 
transferability from writing a game magazine to what else? You know, like when you go into a job to write, what are you supposed to do? Go to a game studio and be I can write content. Write content how? For a PR department? You know, like for original gaming content? Like I sort of felt one of their one of their writers put out a little visual novel a year or two ago. And I almost wish Game Informer had started, even GameStop had started doing like these mini on itch. You know what itch.to is? Yeah. 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 It's where you can put up like these little game demos and sell them for like five, 10 bucks. A lot of really cool stuff there. And that's where I found that. And I'm like, they should have been making these little itch.to game dev jam games, you know? And, and, and another thing they should have been doing is I haven't experienced this forever, but I remember when Grand Theft Auto V came out at Game Informer, I'm sorry, GameStop, there was like, you know, you they had like barbecue out that night. They had, it was like maybe 100, 200 people waiting in line. They they don't play up game releases anymore at GameStops. There's no sense of going down to the GameStop to have a fan community event. It literally became like a cash for gold pawn shop, cell phone resale type nightmare environment. You know, it's not a place... You know, you're not going there to have fun. So if their only thing left is selling is buying and selling games, which let's be honest, the digital market in that has grown exponentially and sort of cut out any resale, you know, other than looking for super old games. Now they're like, what did they the game informer said something about sorry, GameStop said something about we're gonna sell old retro games. Like, dude, you are five, seven years too late for that that market, you know, like way too late for that. Um, and if you think about platforms like the Oculus Quest or VR, where those sales are 100% digital, they're never going to be in that space. So I don't know, man, dude, it it really just makes me sick thinking about it because they have a tremendous amount of talent. And I do think there is a plenty of room for awesome people who who can go and interview developers and get all that stuff into a publication to read. But companies don't feel that way <laughs> you know what i mean they just don't they don't look at that as a viable thing that makes part of the experience of maybe going to that store a tangible thing at least at least that was something tangible you could take away that was the store i went to the game store i picked up my preview i picked up my issue game informer and i got a new copy of something like that was the one thing that they're making that is unique to that store and they're killing that too so what else what else is there you yeah, know? I think I think from a from a publisher standpoint, I think it's just it's it's way easier to pay like half the price or maybe a third of the price, maybe less than that, really, um, to some of these like game influencers on YouTube who aren't professionals. So they can you know, I think they they're much easier to uh, to kind of manipulate than than actual real journalists uh, from respected publications like game informer and egm and so they can you know throw a couple hundred bucks their way in some games and a, a system and they're going to put out a glowing review uh about their you know products and a lot of those people that follow them are going to go buy that product and so i think it's just much more uh money better well spent you know to do it that from their standpoint to to, to do that and i think that um may or may not have have been you know like a a one of the key reasons why Game Informer now is is you know getting cut so heavily um, well, from their staff. Let me department. tell you what it's like to work for Game Informer. Uh, awesome, and if they weren't, I just wouldn't mention it. 
You know, I don't, I don't gain anything. They're not going to be like, Rob, come draw another cover. They're not. You get, you know, these opportunities come once they go away. Um, but they stayed, Andy, I spoke directly with Andy McNamara. They paid me very well. They paid me on time. Um, they never complained about me having my own art style or taking my own artistic direction with characters. They were just super thankful and awesome. Turned my work in, high fives all around. And I got a grip of copies from them. So uh, from a freelance perspective, they were nothing but awesome to work for, work with, you know? So I, I just, this sucks. You know, nobody wins, man. Like it was, I we got that and the Spider-Man thing like within 24 hours of one another. And I was just like, oh, what next? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It all come with waves of three, right? Then the Amazon, now that nightmare scenario. So this is well, not a fun week for anybody. I think. Yeah, it's been yeah. it's been pretty shitty. Yeah. Um, Scotty, I think um, you've got some some also some like kind of um, personal. Yeah, from like the that. other side of things, because I, um, you know, Sketchcraft mentioned his side of Game Informer. I worked in retail for nearly ten years, almost a third of my life, and I was selling video games all those times. Worked at different stores and everything, and. And you did see more recently, midnight launches used to be the thing to go to because it was quite literally tailgating for the big game. So whether yeah. that was like Call of Duty or um, uh, Pokemon or the next Halo, I even had when I was in a band, uh, I talked my boss into letting my band play a set, you know, and uh, so that was it was just a fun hype up event with like different people coming out oh you get free energy drinks whatever and then you go home and get to play the game immediately and skip school or work the next day that very gradually but then suddenly just went away and got replaced with like okay the stores are staying open till nine you can get red dead 2 at nine o'clock and then go you know take an hour to install it or whatever and then you'll have it and it wasn't really the hype event it, w it was literally just please get a ticket please be here at nine otherwise we cannot just hold a copy for you because it's going to sell or whatever um <clears throat> excuse me and so and also eventually more recently think geek they bought out them uh or they joined with them and it was required that 50 percent of every gamestop had to be a think geek or had to be selling think geek stuff so i said to people when i was still helping on holidays i'm like you watch you watch buddy in five years may i yeah, in five years, these stores are going to be two things. They're going to be retro, because you can't get all of that digitally. They're going to be retro stores and just Funko Pops, as far as the eye can see. Oh, um, <laughs> so, I mean, you see those in most... You see Funko Pops everywhere anymore, but... So Target. It, yeah, almost. Um, yeah, I, w I wouldn't be surprised if Target starts selling old Genesis or something. Um, but... Uh, it's really a shame because on one side, you know, retail sucks. We all know that. Nobody, uh, there, are, there are people that are good at it and want to be in retail, but for the most part, retail fucking sucks. It, it sucks working in that world, but you work with good people. You work with some of the hardest working people, and for you to go in, like some store managers walk in and find out, oh, today's my last day? Oh, by the way, you also have to drop three people from your staff? Like, what the hell? Um, just what do you even do? And, uh, so on that side of things, while everybody says, oh, you get two bucks for trading in the newest Call of Duty, whatever, that's not up to them. That's not up to the guy behind the counter. They got to just fucking do it so that they can put dinner on their table. And so it's sad because GameStop, there's not really a place for gamers to go outside of conventions and like comic book tabletop stores. 
GameStop used to be kind of the cool place to hang out. And they were talking about setting that up in terms of like a kind of like a land party type atmosphere and doing more retro stuff. That could be cool, but I don't see that happening at every store. And it definitely would depend like on the area, the locations, like if you're a strip mall, whatever. I think they're basically trying to become comic shops in that respect. So I don't know. It's a really weird thing. It's it's not hitting me or friends as much as like Toys R Us closing did. Um, but that might happen when eventually GameStop closes its stores. But it's just sad because I know people that are still there that are still they enjoy it or, it, you know, I, I've told people forever, like if my job there was literally to hang out and talk with the regulars and work semi regular hours, I could probably do that forever because it was just fun talking to people and even selling video games. So it's sad and it's it's hopefully people come out of this stronger somehow. But as much as I hate the retail world, it's crappy and I wish everyone the best. I hope everyone can make it through this. Yeah, um, yeah. Graham, you guys, you guys obviously don't have GameStops in England, though, right? No, we we have something called Game, which I guess is our equivalent of GameStop. Right, and they've they've been having their own fair share of like financial past, you know, like few years too. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, they like had to shut few... down a bunch of their stores. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, quite a few years ago, they. It's kind of funny, like, there used to be a rival chain chain on, like, the, the high street called Game Station, which sold both new and retro games, and it was brilliant. Game was arguably the bigger franchise, and they eventually bought out Game Station, and the first thing they did was say, you're no longer selling retro games. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Sounds it got like GameStop. Oh, it was, it was really bad. It was like, almost heartbreaking. There's reports of, like, these Game Stations, like, they were given, like, maybe a month or so to try and sell out all their old retro stock. And if they didn't, they kind of, it, they kind of, they couldn't, they couldn't just give it away. They couldn't throw it away. They had to burn games and stuff. What like, the they fuck? They're like, they're like burning, like, you know, <laughs> kind of game uncommon dog. retro games. Just, hold and... on. Hold on, Graham. Don't, don't just stop. Let's just think about that for a second. I got to, <laughs> do like they get Fahrenheit, out? Like, does Graham, come out the back with the barbecue you know what i mean just wheel it out <laughs> everyone throw another copy of mario 2 on the barbie you know what i mean like <laughs> it's giant tongs it, or <laughs> yeah they i i, I it, it happened like the people like the people like going we and like the people who worked in the shops like we're like we we We've been told to do this we can't like not do it we can't just give these games away you can't throw them in the bin because people will just get them it's technically so, our property you have to we, dig we, another we, hole like it's, this is just the guy. Next to ET. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, oh, it was shocking. And then after a few years of that, like after like the the game stations got basically all got turned into games, they started closing a few stores. And then a few years ago, they had to close a ton of stores, like loads of stores. Um, but it was ridiculous. Sometimes they had like three games in one town. It was like, <laughs> like oh, one yeah, town yeah, yeah. like had two games in it, and I was like just like mattress firm. <laughs> yeah it's just like it wasn't like one store might be a little bit smaller but it just wasn't necessary so what they had at uh, gamestop though graham you would have uh a a mall right and you would sometimes have hmm. two gamestops in one mall yeah yeah because at that one point weird. yeah eb games what? was bought out by gamestop so there were but there were like towns where there were literally four gamestops in within driving <laughs> distance of each other and that's probably you know that that's probably just something i mean obviously that just doesn't sound like it's a hmm. uh a, a business decision that is very sound, right? Like that's not sustainable 
obviously yeah, doing something true. like that. So, you know, the, it, it sounds like what's what's really happened with GameStop, at least, is just a series of, of pretty substantial missteps. And then also not finding a, you know, not pivoting your business model when the industry is clearly moving away from physical media. Like they're, they're, they were trying like a few years ago with kind of like what you said, uh, Scotty, uh, or maybe it was Rob when, when they, they purchased, uh, uh, think geek. And then they also got, uh, was it, uh, what was that flash media website? Congregate. Yeah. They Congregate. tried that. They tried to sell iDevices. devices. They tried to partner with uh, cricket and sell cell phones. They've done a lot of stuff and put a lot of money in a lot of places. Yeah. It's but. just, it seems like those those just things that haven't worked out like they thought they might. Um, you know what they made a mistake doing is chasing money instead of building a community. You know, they just oh, yeah. they should be treating their, their game stores in a way that I'm not saying like Disneyland where you throw tons of money in attractions, but you treat it like this community in which look, I get gamers. Gamers can be annoying. They're all just hanging out, not buying nothing. But what they'll do is spend a lot of money in one shot you know and they'll pre-order a bunch of shit which they need and they just got rid of all that and try to chase some other non-existent Mm. market that doesn't exist to get them to come in and do what you know like do have has anybody here we're all dudes you ever have a girlfriend or chris any of your kids ever have a significant other who's like can't wait to go to gamestop and buy an ipad you know what i mean like (laughs) you know Yeah. <laughs> can't wait to get a new cell phone at GameStop. Like it doesn't never yeah. fucking works, you know? Yeah. Uh it's uh yeah, and yeah, I think you've yeah, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there because I do remember you guys mentioned it before, but like, you know, the midnight release and stuff. We had that in the UK as well of certain games. I remember queuing up. Um or maybe not always I didn't really do the midnight ones, but sometimes they'd open super early. They like have like to... a fortnight release where people would have to like go. Well, how, how long is a fortnight? Like two and a half weeks a or whatever. A, a fortnight is two weeks. How does yeah, so the American not have that done. word? <laughs> Let me tell you what GameStop should have done. If they really wanted to chase another market, okay, a separate market, and drag everyone into their store and buy shit, they should have chased the Magic the Gathering market and just mm-hmm. set up a bunch of fucking tables and started selling snacks and bringing Magic cards. And you'd have one side with fucking gamers and the other side a bunch of dudes sitting there all day playing magic cards and buying magics and holding magic tournaments. Yeah, and well, comic book they, stores beat, beat them to that. What, but they could have killed all the local comic book shops if they had gotten smart about it. You know, like... Yeah, they, because like, that's honestly... Yeah, and not to cut you off, Rob, but that's that's what's keeping comic book stores open is Magic the Gathering. Uh, hey, because, well, I know you're saying Rob effectively found a way to kill comic book shops and I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> that's what I do. But... <laughs> Yeah, it, look, I'm not saying like that would have worked out best for everyone. I'm telling you, like if they wanted to find another thing to right, get into, yeah. that would have worked for them, you know. For sure. mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> here we are. So one one thing on the midnight launches and stuff of games, which I noticed back, back especially like in the late '90s and stuff, uh, like sort of N64, PS1 era, uh, and even Dreamcast and stuff, with a lot of these launches of games, you wouldn't. The, the the manufacturers like you know nintendo or whoever like when they're releasing their games they wouldn't always have enough stock like you know for everyone like if you, you didn't get it on the day of release you wouldn't be able to get it for months basically or like a, a month or something like on the nowadays, you've got the digital version the games they, they launch on the first day if if the shop sells out the next day they basically have more stock um 
So it almost feels that's like the sense of community, though. If they'd created a sense of community where you could go there, mm. you know, they're going to be open a little bit later, but they can because they got the magic thing going. Right. And then we're going to have this game event and then we're going to hold little prizes and then we're going to have little little esports kind of we're going to put it on our, on our Twitch or YouTube channel on GameStop and show off the different little prizes we're doing and people, you know what I mean, playing games against one another, like for FIFA launches. They they dude, they needed community managers. Mm. They needed to create yeah. a sense of that's a place I fucking hang out and roll with. And I'm telling you, dude, they'll they'll go. But. I, I, American companies, at least I know for a fact, American companies do not think this way. The the ones that think this way are the ones that have to, which are mom and pop shops, which are these comic book shops, yeah. these magic car shops. And they have to think that way because that community is keeping them alive, right? Corporations mm. don't want communities. What they want is just an unlimited new market somewhere to expand their 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 stock prices, which so they can hopefully somehow double it every quarter, which is impossible. And what they should be thinking about is how we keep uh, – a uh, not only these guys, but their kids and their kids' kids come in here for the next 20, 30 years. I think what they need to do is, uh, is maybe even take a, like a page out of like a Starbucks book where, uh, kind of like what you're talking about, you create a place, like almost like a, a place to congregate. You get it? And God damn it. You bring people in to where they're just hanging out. They're buying stuff. Whether it's you can sell fucking coffee or energy drinks or whatever gamers you know want. But you bring them in, and they're playing. They're 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 playing like local games on the Switch against people. They're bringing their stuff in. They're buying games there. They're playing them, and and you be able to create a community that way. Uh, you want people to just come in your store, and just hang out. I mean, that's what happens at Starbucks. That's what happens at like a Barnes and Noble or something like that. They have coffee places in bookstores mm. to get people to come in and hang so, out and buy stuff. Okay, I have to comment on this, and I'm not going to go too far into it. But everything that you guys are talking about, the stores that I worked at, we did that shit. However, however, and we had regulars and people would come in and people would bring other people. It would get to the point where like if we had Pokemon Day events, like other people that were regulars were teaching other people how to play that had never played the Pokemon trading card Mm -hmm. game. Like it was a good it was a good community. And I'm not going to go too far into this, but that was individual stores and that was the staff. The business oh, that, model. This is the difference. Yeah, we're talking about top-down leadership, Scotty. No, I'm. But I, what Not I'm. GameStop. Go ahead. What I'm saying is that was never part of the business model. That was exactly. always individual store managers, and those stores did really well. But when that staff left, nobody was going there anymore. And the difference is too is like the because I I think that's awesome that just kind of uh, bottom, you know, like decision making that 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 create something special at a store, but instead like the top down and like the, the management, what they're doing is like, they're hounding the employees to hound their customers. Like every time you go in, you're immediately bombarded by employees that are like hounding you to pre-order games or, or buy some stupid insurance on a $5 game. And like, you don't <laughs> want to do that shit or like, Oh, you got to get this game in form. Or like, dude, chill. I don't want your stupid power up card or whatever. I just want to buy this fucking game and get out of here. And, you know, like it, instead of, of, of creating a place of community and a really cool place to hang out, you're just like immediately like hassled. And that sucks. Yeah. It's and not all like that, but no, it's I, not. I, but and it's just it sucks for the employees that are forced yeah. to do that, you know, because I'm sure they don't want to do that. And, and the places where you can tell where it's not like that, like I still talk to people that might not know where I worked or anything or they'll say, oh, dude. 
I can find that all no problem when I go to my GameStop. When they say my GameStop, that means they have a good relationship with that mm-hmm. staff there. Mm-hmm. Like they walk in to just they they aren't even planning on buying a game. They just walk in and they want to talk because they have half an hour to kill before their shift starts or something. You I'm know, telling you, man, that's that's the kind of like corporate culture that they need to they need to create. You know, top down. I always liken GameStop's corporate culture to Mad Cats. Oh you know, no, Mad Cats controllers, yeah. <laughs> Uh, how, okay. It was just the that Mad Cats was making controllers because I felt like they were laundering Russian money. You know, like I just felt there was some weird. And I used to work. Uh, I went to school right across from, so I'd go there all the time. And I used to do all their. I worked at this Kinko, so I'd do all their corporate stuff. And they they weren't making controllers to make controllers. They were just making nubby skins to sell, basically cell phone skins for controller inputs. You know, and oh, the yeah. market just eventually got away from them. They never. They made one good product, and it was this like eight bit Bluetooth pad that kind of looks like the eight bit Doe today. Oh yeah, and that the did fight really pad. well for them. They they did really really well with that, and that got them that Street Fighter option on Street Fighter Four, and then they went out of business. It was too late. Like they didn't actually cater to the communities that were looking for quality gaming material. They were just looking for more shitty fucking things to sell in that that junk section next to spongebob games in 2004 you know yeah and then garage or i mean um guitar hero and rock band happened and they made those yeah same other nonsense so it's just and look no amount of convincing a corporation to have a community is ever going to work you know it either starts at the top or it doesn't you know like it's just it's not something you can really inject so that company will be gone within the next five years, 100%. So you like, don't think just, there's any, anything they could do at this point to save it? No. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and and honestly, I want to throw up when I think about it because a lot of good people work there. You know, a lot of good people put in the effort. But it, having already gone through losing, man, lost. I lost, I mean, I lost play. A lot of us, we lost our jobs. People lost their mortgages, you know what I mean? Like, I got stuck not paying my student loans on time for two years and that ballooned an extra $20,000 in interest that I was able to eventually pay off. But like, so these, these aren't good. And when people, when they fail, what sucks is the immediate response is, well, that's because people don't buy games anymore. What do you mean? People don't buy games. Well, they all buy digital. No, they buy physical copies. No, it's, it, I like, I like how it just always gets blamed on, well, no one wants to read magazines. It's not the product's fault. You know, it's the people who fucking ran it all, who made a shitty, a bunch of shitty decisions, you know, and they they blame, they always blame their fans for them failing, right? They never take ownership, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, look at, look at what we have now. We have shitty CEOs in charge of countries. So you want to see what <laughs> happens when you put shitty CEOs in charge of countries, just turn on the fucking news, you know, and you could say Rob's getting political, but I mean, I'm old enough now to see the difference in the 80s when we still had a sense of like hey ibm is a culture toys r us is a culture you went to toys r us you had like an experience when you went to the mall there was actually each other little individual store had its own little experience go to a mall now it's 20 percent off 35 percent off 65 percent off it's in your face everywhere you know and this is not a fucking place that you you're just amazed by that i want to go and hang out at and people go well we don't want customers not buying things we just we're just hanging out Dude, they will buy things in large spurts and then hang out there. 
But if they're not in your consciousness, like if it's not in my consciousness to go to Starbucks and spend 30 minutes writing, maybe I'm not buying a coffee this time, but I'm going to buy their overpriced fucking coffee the next two times, you know, then I'm never thinking about going there ever. Then I'll just forget and do other shit, you know, and like, yeah. that's the problem. You know, it's worse. It's worse when people just forget. And come on, I just had my own game come out this year and I'm like, where do I want to go buy Spyro? I want to go buy it somewhere and there's no more Toys R Us's. There's no more KVs. You know, I'm not going to fucking Target and trying to hunt down a guy to open a fucking, you know, that that experience. We're going to hunt down yeah, the key guy. Yeah, I think that's what no one's thinking about. It's like, after this, we're going to go to Walmart and Target to get our games. That's such a weird outcome. I got yeah. lucky that we have a local game place. And, you know, that local game store, you know, has a sense of culture. But it's only because they are local that they have to. Right? <laughs> so nuts, guys. You know. Yeah, I there's think not, overall not the very many. Hmm. Oh, go ahead, Scotty. I well, the I, it's actually quick. Um, I think the overall problem is like eventually GameStop's customer base felt like they were the enemy of GameStop, and mm -hmm. it just comes down to that really simple thing: is they didn't treat them as the family that they should have because that's what they were built on. Absolutely, that's right. a really good point, and I think mm -hmm. it's going to be sad because, <clears throat> and you you kind of touched on it, Scotty, is that what's going to happen once GameStop is gone? There's not going to be a dedicated like place to go other than if you're lucky enough to have a, a game store, like a mom and pop game store nearby that also sells new games. They're not very many of them around. And it's going to be like, if we just lost all comic book stores and then the only place you can buy comics is going to target and they have a very small section of like the most popular comic. You're not getting like, you know, your, your indie comics at target or Walmart, you know, you're getting, the the marvel and and dc stuff that's it so you're gonna have to go online and buy it and there there's no sense of community when you're buying shit off amazon you know like you're not getting that special thing that you get when you go to a comic book store and you can talk to people there or go to you know a game store and and talk about this new game that you you you're you're excited to play and you can share in that uh once those are gone they're gonna be gone and i think people are really gonna miss it and they don't realize it yet, but it's going to suck. It's not going to be a good thing that GameStop's gone. Uh, I know people hate it. A lot of people are pissed off at GameStop, and rightfully so. But I just I just wish that they had made better corporate decisions like decades ago to not be in this position they're in today. Uh, and it just I, – I'm, I'm there with you, Rob. I, I don't know if they can do anything uh, to save the company at this point. I, I just hope that they could – throw some sort of crazy hell Mary and, and, and figure something out and just, and, and do it, you know? So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if they can come back unless they merge with another company, like, like, um, new dimension comic stores or something. That's the only way I could see them slightly surviving is if they merge with some other company that's doing okay. They're or definitely going to have them. to expand their, their business model. Like they're going to have to offer something else beyond games beyond Funko Pops and all this and t-shirts like they they gotta whether it's you know like bringing in you want my advice everything else I, my advice is just what you said Starbucks should buy them buy them out for for pesos on the dollar and install a coffee shop in those fucking things mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah Cut the store footage down by by a third put a little mini coffee bar grab some fucking couches put up some retro stuff you know what I mean like you can fucking play 
whatever little mini retro games. If you join their power club, you get to go to their little tournaments every month and compete for free drinks or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, little no, exactly. And those those Starbucks cards are redeemed at any Starbucks. You don't just have to go to the GameStop. You know, like there's a way to do it, man. That if someone out there, I see the potential and everything. That's my one of my gifts in life is that I and I and I have put these ideas in front of many people. I think Curtis has seen a little bit of it. You know, like I mm-hmm. sit in front of fucking people who can make decisions, and I put these things, and they look at me like I'm nuts, but they will work. I I mean, there, there's a way to do it. But the odds are that that will never happen and it'll just go away. And you're going to have either empty stores or, you know, you're going to have like, what's the new, you know, candle wax stores or some shit will fill up that junk. You know what I mean? The next sports. You laugh, but, you know, (laughs) it's all going to be sensey candle wax stores. You know, that's it. I hate to say this. It's going to sound horrible, but as it comes closer, I'm going to be hitting up those discount bins. And as they're burning r- games in the parking lot of and, and inside malls all over the United States, like they did in Europe. We can only hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I think that's going to uh, wrap things up uh, for, for this week's episode. Uh, Scotty, you did say at the top of the show that you wanted to, uh, to mention some, some further stuff about the uh the dreamcast marathon right yeah um i guess first i'll lead into it with uh what's coming up with streams and stuff um we've got a very strong streaming team now um and uh so you can see stuff going on uh this week well by the time you hear this it will have already happened but monday tuesday wednesday and thursday we have stuff going on every single one of those days thursdays have now turned into thursday night throwdowns um so far we've done uh sonic and all-star racing transformed um we did uh sonic something i can't remember the name of now uh but last week was puzzle fighter um which was really great it's been great seeing people in there get hyped and destroyed at the same time in our community groups we've we've learned as a group that anytime we invite someone outside of the staff we learn how horrible the staff is at said video game (laughs) so but it's really fun getting destroyed like that so but so you can go to twitch.tv backslash megavisions but on there September 7th at 7 a.m. on the 7th, 7 a.m. Eastern, is the Dreamcast Dreamless 24-Hour Marathon, where we will be playing Dreamcast games for 24 hours to raise money for Extra Life. We've already got some money raised in our group, so you can find a link to that in the description for this podcast if you want to go donate. Uh, We want to thank our sponsor, WarpZoneOnline.com. They're going to be supplying some stuff to give away. We've got prizes. We've got a Dreamcast console that you can win. September 7th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on our Twitch channel. We got the schedule planned. Like we said, we're going to announce that soon. It's going to be good, guys. It's hype every year. There's going to be almost a dozen people somehow fitting into my living room for this thing. And Graham is flying all the way from England. Graham is flying from fucking England. He's taken over this country with Dreamcast. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. How's to train your dragon? That's not... uh, Graham's going to be watching How to Train Your Dragon on loop (laughs) in the corner. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing, man. (laughs) It's going to be so much fun, guys. Trust me. (laughs) I'm excited. Um, Anything else you wanted to mention? Is that that, uh, pretty much... 
everything about the uh, the marathons. That's Cody? yeah, that's the ins and out of it. Um, you know, just keep an eye on the site. Every every other Wednesday, we'll have posts hyping it up, and then the week leading up, keep an eye on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll have a question each day, kind of asking things to uh, just build the excitement more and more. Very good, very good. And then, uh, and and Rob, you're always sharing like the latest, uh, like designs and stuff for the magazine on both Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Where can people go and and follow you out there to kind of see the latest working stuff on on Megavisions, but also your own personal stuff as well? If you go to sketchcraft.com at the top, I got links to all my other social media. If you just sketchcraft, sketch C R A F T, like Warcraft, Minecraft, uh. GameStop going out of business craft. I should grab that one. Oh no! Uh, you know what I mean? Like whatever crap. <laughs> you know. Uh, what? So um, I share all that stuff there as much as I possibly can without giving away the whole product. But uh, we do show off a fair amount of stuff. So get in, folks, while you can, because once we ship this issue, that's it. Yep. You know, that's it, right, Chris? That's right. And you can subscribe to Megavisions by going to our Patreon page. It's www.patreon.com slash Megavisions. And you can choose between either a physical or digital issue of the magazine. We do have some extra copies of issue eight available directly on our website. Uh, you, go, you go to uh, megavisionsmag.com uh, and then backslash shop. And you'll be able to go to our web store. Like Rob said, it has Panda Dragoon on the cover. It looks super badass. Go ahead and get it now. It's uh, you can get it ten bucks uh, with uh, I think uh, like a few dollars shipping. We ship all throughout the world, uh, so you can go there and get it. There's been people buying them uh, left and right, so they're going fast. Uh, and like Rob said, once they're all sold out, we're not reprinting any anymore. We're all sold out of issue seven, so those are gone forever. Issue eight are going to be gone soon, and then. Uh, once issue nine uh, is here and shipped, we may have a few extras, but who who knows? We 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 don't know how many we're going to be able to have uh, on hand after we ship to our Patreon folks. So get them while you can, and uh, and good stuff. So anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I think. Uh, do we know what we're doing for the next sideshow, Scotty? Are we doing a follow up, uh, like part two? To, uh, uh, we got plenty more Snatcher to discuss. Yes. So we did Snatcher last week, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we have some more Snatcher to play through. I'm hoping to finish it this week, which we'll do like, I guess that'll end up being a two-parter for Snatcher. And then uh, we'll have to discuss like what we're going to be doing next after that. We haven't, uh, I don't think we've, we've actually uh, decided yet. No, stay tuned. Yep. So, all right. That's going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back in a couple of weeks. See you later. I have a final question for you guys. Where do ducks go on their vacation? That's right. Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> Night, everybody. <laughs> Albuquerque. I forgot I had my joke book, so I got to bring it back. Everyone's demanding I love, it. I love a corny joke, so. And I'm going to stop recording. <laughs>